Hello, everyone, and welcome to State of the Realm. Last week, we did our Pat's 6.3 First Impressions. Only spoiled a couple of boss names. We didn't really talk about the story at all, so that's what we're going to do this week. Welcome to Patch 6.3 Spoiler Cast, your last respite before the Omega Protocol on Tuesday. Do that, we're going to need some hosts. I'm one of them, Mr. Happy. Of course, joining me is Sly. How you doing, Sly? You doing all right? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Doing you all right. doing all right? Yeah. All right. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. And uh, we also need somebody who probably pays a lot more attention to the story than we do, as much as we <laughs> like to believe that we remember it. So, returning for the second time, we have Pyromancer. How you doing, Pyro? I'm I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I'm uh, I'm yeah, doing. You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing all right. You doing all right? I'm doing I'm doing all right, dude. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on again. I'm yep. super stoked about today, man. I'm really excited. Are you? Because when I DM'd you, you said, wait, story in my weeb game? (laughs) (laughs) In my weeb game? Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's probably my favorite, uh, favorite part of the story, like, period. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm in, I, they kind of laid it on us in this raid, so there's a lot to talk about. There sure is. And, uh, oh boy, will we get to all of that. But first, quick shout out to the sponsors. Thank you for everyone over on Patreon for supporting. You don't have to. We don't do anything special for them other than exist, which, you know, depending on your point of view, may or may not be special. So, uh, yeah. you know, we try. That's it. That's it. That's, that's all we can do. Uh, and Thanks also, hooray! Hooray! Woo! Now just to survive in a bag, a plastic bag. We continue that conversation <laughs> later. For 10 minutes. For ten minutes, that's it. Ten that's minutes. A, that's a, that's a pre-show conversation. That's leaking into the show. <laughs> and also, shout out to the rest of our sponsors: Steel Series, Advanced GG, have HelloFresh back again, which uh, I'm hungry for. So we should we should get through this quick because mm. I got I got some food. I got some food to cook. That'll be mm. good. All right. <laughs> but no, no, it'll take as long as we need to because. Uh, we have we have story now. We don't have everything because obviously we don't have Hildebrand yet. We don't have the Manderville weapon yet. We don't have the Lopperitz yet, which uh, I think I'll actually lead in by saying, Pyro topic. The last couple of weeks has been the staggered content. Now you uh, you don't have as many years of staggered content for fourteen releases to really judge upon. But how did mm-hmm. you feel about the uh, choice, especially this expansion thus far, to have things like the Beast Tribe pushed back? To the point X5 patches, whereas normally in previous ones we would have had that in like the point XO patch. Um, uh, I like it. I think for me it's been paced pretty well. Uh, I sure as shit get content more often than in World of Warcraft. <laughs> so, um, for me, like that's, that's an improvement. And, uh, yeah, I feel like doing MSQ and like r- Wings of the Raid and then Having something more like the tribes to fill your time, like in the downtime, I think is, I enjoy that. Yeah. I like the Omicron and I've been trying, I've been keeping up with it. So yeah. The Omicron is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. The Omicron, oh, man, that's the best <laughs> tribe quest in the, in the, in the game. <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree. It almost didn't even feel like it was about Omicrons until closer to the end. I know. Cause they're just kind of the hosts of it until you get really, really like to the very last quest. But yeah, and honestly, off. like the implications with Dynamis, they are pretty pretty huge. So that made me very excited to to do it. Yeah. Well, with that out of the way, 
just a quick opinion piece on that. Much more concise than myself, I'll say, when it comes to that topic. <laughs> no Fair surprise. Enough. But don't worry. Now you can be much less concise because now we get to talk oh, about yeah. the story. <laughs> Good. Awesome. All right. All right. So patch 6.3, uh, very different from our usual point X3 patches where we are normally wrapping up the actual expansion end for all of them except for Realm Reborn. This one, um, we're not really sure if it's our filler arc, if it's our lead into the expansion arc. We're not really 100% sure there, but we just have a continuation of the events that were set in motion in the last couple of patches. So Sly and I gave our general thoughts before we got into the specifics. So uh, why don't you give us your general thoughts on 6.3? Because I think it's been a little divisive of a story uh, yeah. quality patch. Uh, yeah, we're talking about the MSQ in this um, specifically. You can, you can go any which direction, but yeah, the MSQ sure. would be yeah. worth the start. Yeah, I think um, I think MSQ. So as as someone who more recently played Final Fantasy IV, MSQ has been pretty pretty awesome for me, and I have pretty fresh in my mind like how the fiends were in Final Fantasy IV and how Golbez was in Final Fantasy IV. I'm very familiar with the end of that game um, with um, Zemus and Zeromus and have takes on all of that. So um, just to first off, as we've seen, remind people as, as, as you know, Square has said, it's not one-to-one, you know, the characters aren't meant to be exactly the same. Um, in some ways they are, in some ways they're not. Um, so I, I enjoyed their take on the fiends. Uh, I was not surprised at all to end up seeing Scarmiglione in the dungeon uh, and then Rubicante as the trial. Um I think story-wise, they used the first two fiends, the first fiend in each set to kind of like, uh, like kind of like bring back the main story arc. And then I feel like they tell more of a narrative and they, they show more stuff when the second fiend is introduced. So Skarmy and then Barbariccia, this happened. And then, uh, Kanyatso and then Rubicante, this happened. And with Rubicante at the end, I really loved what they did with him because what they've been trying to do with, with these void scent the whole time is like make us feel for them. Um, there's obviously, um, uh, a sense of empathy that that's trying to be developed here because we have to remember that these were once people zero being a really good example of like the more humanesque, uh, like example of like how awkward and how, how different their lives have been as a result of the void. Right. So I think, you know, having Rubicante there as one of the, the arch fiends that even in his service to Golbez didn't lose himself. He never lost who he was at his core. He always was honorable. He always had virtue within him, right? He always had, I think a good heart. And I think that shows in his backstory quest. If you haven't done that, you really need to go do it because you're missing a shitload of context. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, it's a gold quest at the bottom of the stairs in, in the Mega Duda when you finish MSQ. There's two of them. There's one for Skarmi and Barbariccia, and there's one for uh, uh, Kanyatso and Rubicante, and they're very important. And honestly, they should have been in the MSQ, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but um, so MSQ-wise, Fiend-wise, I love, I love what they're doing with the Fiends. I really felt for Rubicante, and when we defeated him, I didn't feel, you know... I almost felt a sense of like relief for being able to set him free. And that was interesting for me because the other void scent are shown as, as so savage and crazed that it's hard to connect with them in that way. So I love that. Um, 
I can continue if you want me to, unless you want to <laughs> give some well, thoughts. I'm sure with Final mm-hmm. Fantasy IV fresh on your mind, you were waiting to see if he'd heal you to full or something like that. But, uh, okay. <laughs> they went with a different direction in interpreting him, because he is, of course, in Final Fantasy IV, also the most honorable of the fiends, right. even there. Even if he does some yes. horrible things, all the same. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's kind of where this, where this goes to, I think, is like the Goldez plot, and they put a focus on this, and, they're using Zero as as a vessel for storytelling, but also to like get a point across, which is and Zero's come to realize this, she acknowledges in in her dialogue, is that what Golbez is doing probably maybe in a sense is the right thing. You know, he he's, he has a again a virtuous idea. He wants to set these people free from their suffering, including himself. This infinite purgatory of death or of undeath that they can never get out of, right? Sounds like a pretty good thing to do, but as Zero's realizing, the it's the it's the cost. At what cost are you achieving this? Um, so it's a pretty so far it's a pretty standard arc with with in that regard. Um, into the topic of Zero, Zeromus, Golbez. <laughs> okay, there's some different things that have happened here in in this Void storyline. So we know now. Um, and we knew before that Golbez had gone to the moon. We knew from previous flashback cutscenes that he had slain the Watcher, which we now know more about. Um, we now see that he and his structure, where he had the fiends, was centralized in the hole where Zodiac would have been. And we have this theme going on in the expansion where absorbing things and absorbing other void scent can have a detrimental effect on your ability to process emotions how you normally would because now other things are conflicting with who you are, right? There can sometimes begin to be other wills at play, right? We saw this illustrated in the lead-up to Barbariccia in the first part of the Void quest line where uh, there's a Void scent that eats another one and the fear of Barbariccia from that Void scent is now inherent in this Void scent. So, in Final Fantasy IV... Golbez, this is spoilers if you didn't know. Golbez, who would have, spoiler for the skin of how, how many, old, how many years old? He's corrupted by Zemus, who is a slumbering Lunarian that Fusoya is tasked with watching over. If you get, watching over. If you guys didn't know, Fusoya looks exactly, robe and everything, like the Watcher on our moon. So it's very clearly you know, inspired from that, the Crystal Palace on the moon is the same as it was in 4. Basically, what ends up happening is Golbez ends up being woken up to the fact that he's being corrupted and controlled by Zemus. So Zemus is drawn out of Golbez, and Zemus is, is struck down, but from within Zemus, the pure manifestation of malice and hatred forms and is known as Zeromus. So there's a theory, you know, that Zero might be Zeromus, who's the evil, you know, this and that, right? Makes sense to an extent. Except this has already happened. This has already happened in the reverse. Because Zero as Zeromus was already corrupted by Zemus as Xenos. It's already happened, but in reverse, right? And this is why I say they don't take things and they make it, they don't make it one to one. They'll flip stuff around, they'll make it different, right? So my take on is Zero going to be a bad guy? I don't think so. I think as a half warrior of light, 
half void scent. She's very special. We see her coming around. She, she's becoming more human. She's realizing the virtue that we have within us. Why we fight. Why, you know, not that we, it's not always a deal. It's not always a transaction. I don't always do it because I have something to gain. I do it because it's the right thing to do because those people over there can't defend themselves. And so I'm going to go and do it. And Zero's starting to realize that that's why she's now willing to help us and oppose Golbez, who I think is her father, <clears throat> personally. Uh, even though, uh, even though, uh, we don't exactly, you know, even though she's not gaining anything from it necessarily. So, uh, as far as what's gonna happen with Golbez, if we wanna go with a corruption plot, if he ate the heart of Zodiac, then he's fucked. That, that guy is corrupted as fuck probably right now. And considering that Zodiac was a, a god manifested as a instrument of salvation, Golbez being driven by this innate deep sense of seeking salvation for his people and for his world, seeking release, there could be some kind of connection there. But overall, <laughs> to keep it kind of based around the main characters and the main big plot, that's, that's kind of like my general idea at this point. Zero's definitely going to remain, remain on our side, in my opinion. And I think Golbez, there is something wrong with him at this point, like as far as corruption or something like that. I think that's still very likely. Um, and I think that there's a good chance that, uh, he ends up being awakened to, you know, whatever, whoever he maybe really is, right? I mean, this patch is called, uh, well, the previous patch is called Buried Memory, this one being um, God's Rebel Lands Tremble. But for obvious reasons, you know, um, the, the patch names, I think, hint at some at some things, so. Yeah. I do yeah. wonder if we'll find out Golbez's real name is his name from Final Fantasy IV, mm -hmm. or if they'll give him Cecil's name as a... Uh, yep. As a, a kind of send off. I've heard some people think Zero's real name is Cecilia. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard that, that as well. Yeah. I've heard that also. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that a couple times. I, there's also apparently, um, Cecil and Rosa have a child in the Sayador. after years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's one that's come up I, too. Af, don't play after years. Don't, don't fucking play. No. Is it not so good? I know that someone comes back and I don't like that. I don't like those arcs. Oh. So I don't like returning. So I don't like returning villains. I just had to play it recently for some things. Don't play. <laughs> it's not only yeah. that; it's also so much longer of a game. Really? Because it's 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 basically it's it's it was released on the Wii as a, as an episodic release. Like every two weeks, they'd release an episode that you'd have to buy. So every chapter is like three hours long minimum, and there's nine chapters that are about that long, and then the tenth chapter is about as long as the first nine chapters together. So it's uh if you want to do everything, it's a very long game. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. And uh it's cool seeing some of the characters years later, but it's also not <laughs> <laughs> I, I can appreciate that. I always I describe after years as did you like Final Fantasy Four? Yes. Would you like to play it again? Yes. There you go. <laughs> 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 yeah, oh, there's man. there's some good stuff from four. I mean, like the Shadow Dragon thing is another thing that comes up, you know, with Ajdaya potentially, you know, becoming Golbez's Shadow Dragon. She could end up being uh the next trial and then um I don't know, I Golbez I would like for Golbez to be the last trial. 
personally. I don't think it will be. I think zero. Really? Miss, they're going to throw. You think, I think zero miss will do I think, it? I think we're wrapping this whole thing up before six point five, and whatever happens cool. because of this pushes us into the. Ex- I think this is a filler arc that detonates the seven point expansion. I think that's what they're going to do. Very possible. That's very possible, and I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, they yeah, kill yeah. it off in 6.4. And then 6.5 is like the in-between kind of filler arc to the whatever blow-up happens in the next expansion. So I think, honestly, I hate to say it, I think we deal with either Eshdaya or, or, um, well, we deal, we will deal with Zeramus in a trial. But I think we'll deal with Ashdaya in in the dungeon, which is kind of sad. Like, yeah. Well, I I, I think like, he rips her of... other eye out, and then she gets completely corrupted. Is what I think happens. Yeah, that's how yeah, she becomes uh, Shadow Dragon. Them going yeah. that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. because if she no longer has maybe that like bountiful well of those wells of ether to keep her sustained, she might then succumb to the influence of the void. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So if they if they're gonna go the shadow dragon route at all, and I think I'd be I at this point it'd be strange if they didn't. It's uh you know, given all the other references and everything that have been made up to this point. Yeah. yeah I'd be surprised. I mean and some stuff like like I made the comment about, you know, Goldas potentially being Zero's father. Um the reason why I think just that could be a possibility is because Zero's already told us several things about her mom. And about how her mom was touched by darkness while fighting, you know, in the Contra Memoria, and so was Zero. Mm-hmm. But her dad never gets brought up. And sometimes that's just circumstantial and it has no meaning. But sometimes char- certain characters are left out narratively because they have, they actually do have significance. Um, and I think that there is a possibility that, uh, given that she doesn't, she can't identify specifically who Golbez is, but she knows the name sounds familiar. Um, and the fact that we just have no idea who Golbez himself is, but we know that Zero happens to be special, that she is Memoriate and Void Sent. And I, I have just a sneaking suspicion, really, is all it is, that those two are going to end up being related. And I think part of that comes down to the fact that, uh, if you want to make it like this, you could see Zero as, as kind of the, kind of the Cecil in this situation, especially considering we saw in the flashbacks that she fought with a sword and shield, and then she became a Reaper later on, or a Void Scent later on, essentially. So she kind of did the opposite, in a sense, of what Cecil did, and Cecil was related to Goldez. So I think the father-daughter thing is actually, like, pretty oh, possible. We're getting, the, we're getting the Darth Vader treatment, aren't we? I think, I honestly, that's what I think might happen. <laughs> I think we might. I think we might because I think that they've got to find a way if Golbez isn't, if he's going to have like a deep significance as like a character for us, I, I think he's either like a lot of people have said they either think Golbez is our shard. If our shard exists on the 13th, the, the two ones I hear the most are Golbez or zero. Well, at this point it seems like Golbez or zero is becoming too much of her own character. She like, not that Ardbert didn't, right? But I think Zero is special in her own way, and it's actually almost more likely for Golbez to potentially be our shard. Uh, I mean, I see also people one. think the Reaper Avatar is potentially one of them. I've seen that around a bunch. 
the re- you mean our like yeah, our, our personal or? one if we've if we've oh. mastered it. Yeah, I've seen I've seen yeah. that one around as well. Yeah. But there's and nothing I mean, to indicate that. I mean, there's nothing to indicate no. any of this, but you know. No. Nothing think, is, nothing think, is clear as like Ardbert going, hey, here you go. Exactly. And well, <laughs> showing up in our fucking in our dream. As soon as that happened, I was like, chat, uh, I think we might be soul linked to Ardbert. Like, what the fuck is this? But I think one of the things that leads me down this path of thought is um Oh goodness, I I uh fuck I lost it. That's all right. It'll come back to me if it's important. Shit. Well, uh, about, anyway. about the the being our shard. Oh yes, <laughs> there it is. Um, so I sort of see personally, and this is just my take, but I guess mm-hmm. I see in Final Fantasy fourteen, like I see our character really as like the main character, like we're really at the core of the narrative, um, as Azem, and as we've been regaining parts of ourself, it seems to me like there's a potential for like the end game of Final Fantasy fourteen to be like the full reconstruction of the soul of Azem. Um, as like the beacon of hope <laughs> for, you know, everybody or whatever the fuck, however you want to twist it metaphorically or philosophically. So it just makes me think like from this, somehow from the 13th, hopefully we will get a shard of ourselves. Um, and some people have also said like, oh, could it be Unicolai? But then there's the relationship between Unicolai and Tainor that makes them seem like, holy fuck, those probably are, <laughs> those two yeah. are maybe going to be shards of each other. So. I guess I would just like to see it because in my head, my, my, my fan fiction, I guess, is that Azem eventually comes back all the way. Um, and not, not reborn as in we become another person because we are our own person. But as we take on shards of ourselves that we, we become that full ancient soul once more. The only one that there is. And then we can be the final boss. Yes. Then we become despair. <laughs> So anyway, but that's that's very much like a headcanon fanfic type idea. So that's part of why I want to see a shard of us come from the thirteenth, if if it's possible. Sly's like, I hear these things too often. <laughs> way too, way too fucking often. Like, hey, I mean, like the there, the headcanon I hear, the headcanon I read, like just going on Reddit and everything is just. It's too much. <laughs> it's a lot. It is. That's a fucking lot. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes that gets deep, like character deep, and I, I don't really go there. Like, I don't have arcs in my mind for what character is gonna do this or that. I don't think of it like. Oh, that. They, these bitches have written out the next four expansions. Like, it gets deep. <laughs> it gets fucking deep. Like, and I don't even like. I mean, first of all. I don't even know how the fuck I get to Reddit. I think like half the time it's just looking up stuff for the fucking show. And then like, I just see this random fucking, this random fucking Reddit post. And I like, I'm like, fuck, I ain't got shit to do. (laughs) And they go through like 12 fucking character arcs and four expansions. And I'm like, how do y'all motherfuckers have this? I have so much time to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder that about a lot of the things people do, but you know, this is one of them. <laughs> like, we, I, I just want, I, I just kind of want to pass it on to like Koji and Ishikawa and see what the fuck they think. Just to see the reaction, like, 
Yeah, like if they read the paper. Like, that would hurt. Rich. That would break so many souls for somebody I to know, see that. Like, if they, it's like, like imagine you know those like wired YouTube videos where it's like you know like a professional reacting to like a movie, except it's like mm-hmm. it's Ishikawa reacting to fan theories. Oh no! <laughs> You're just like I give that oh, a, no. I give that a two out of ten. <laughs> for shit, I would write. <laughs> oh man. Oh, yeah, uh, this patch has actually been uh, quite divisive. I mean, you went into a lot of the details about things that you personally enjoy, but I've heard I've heard people a little less satisfied with either um, Zero's growth as an individual or the way the Archfiends are being used in particular. Yeah, I don't get that, dude. I don't get the Zero growth I don't get that. Thing. Like, she's grown so much as a person. When we first met her, she was babby. Could I? I mean, even in this patch, she was babby. Like, I pray for this chick. Like, I swear to God, if, <laughs> if we weren't there, if we weren't there, like, she, like, think about it. Think, think about it. She was, she's literally avoidant and her only, her, her, her major, her major character point is, you know, you know, equivalent exchange, so to speak. Like, think about it. If we left this bitch alone and she came to fucking Heidelin and we taught her about love, she would be exchanging shit for love. She would be a hooker. <laughs> like we, she is That's literally. She is just literally, some ether, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like she's you know, grown so much. I don't see. I don't see how you could say that she hasn't grown as a person. I have to hear like, what the critique is. Wean like, her out of that. Um, what okay. is the critique? So, um, one is, uh, just a general disinterest in her sort of one-noted, uh, outlook, which obviously has improved as of this patch. I'm just, I'm just gonna yes. read, cause obviously I've gone through all my own comment sections already, which is, despite being a YouTuber, a huge mistake. Yeah, um, I applaud you for your <laughs> willpower to do that. That's <laughs> quite something. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll have, we'll have comments about her just not enjoying her as a character, thus the large focus on her being dissatisfying as a sense. Uh, and for the fiends, um, them kind of all being gone in two patches is, is two of the, the major things that I've, I've picked up on from individuals. Okay. So thus, that's, that's two and a half hours of our three hour MSQ. We got rid of the weapons quicker than that. No, yeah, so the, the weapons weapons lasted long, but they were also they were also a trial series, so it's a different story. Right. Like, they here's, were a side thing, like, series, yeah. Like, so zero um, has been around for about ten thousand years, and um, doesn't have any friends, doesn't have any family, doesn't mm-hmm. know what it feels like to have pleasure in anything, eating, laughter companionship. Uh, she has nothing. She has literally nothing. And I think that's hilarious because, and there's going to be people that don't like her just because of this, but she's a mirror to Xenos. He had nothing. Xenos and Zero are very similar in that they were seeking he a point. He had us. No, well, <laughs> he no, 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 no. Us. He wanted no, no, us. Not till later. Not till later. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. now, but now what's happening with Zero? Now that she's interacting with us, she's finding purpose. It's funny how that works. It's like right. Azem has an effect on people, it seems. And, and like the thing with Zero is like, um, she, she's not really much of a person. She hasn't been a person in a long fucking time. And she hasn't lived. Exactly. She, she hasn't lived in a long time. She has survived. And those are two very yeah. different things. And so 
it's going to be slow, right? It's going to be like, it's going to be hard. Um, she's starting to come around because the difference between Zero and Xenos is that Zero actually was a warrior of light. Um, Zero, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, like, let's just say like she was kind of born, like, I wouldn't say born with virtue, with virtue in her heart, but she found virtue in her fight is, is, is kind of what I'm saying. She had a very strong sense of self. She had a reason for what she was doing. And that has been, that's been lost to her, right? And so now in her interactions with us, it's being brought back and it's being brought back slowly, but surely. And, um, we're, we're giving her this hope to try to find a reason to live, whatever that means now. Because what has it meant for the last 10,000 years? It's been fuck all. It's meant nothing. It's meant trading here and there just to survive and, trying your best not to dilute your sense of self lest you just be lost to the void and become a savage void scent like the other ones. You know, it can't, it can't amount to much besides that. And that's, that makes you think about Golbez. It's the same fucking shit for that guy. It's really not that different, unfortunately. And with the fiends, in this case, the fiends were different than they were in four because the fiends came about as very lowly creatures, lowly void scent that were people before they were, they had this backstory. Then they were literally transformed into void scent and then empowered by the ether of a dragon to become these fiends. So as far as the fiends being gone too early, like the fiends were introduced as a plot device for Golbez and they were also taken out as a plot device for Golbez and for Zero. Like, I'm sorry, but they weren't positioned as the same kind of character as they were in Final Fantasy IV, in my opinion. So while I understand maybe some distaste for how quickly they went, rest assured, I, I would hope anyway, that it's for something really fucking awesome that's coming. Um, and an arc that's going to hit you in the feels, hopefully. You know, and they're building that with Rubiconte. They're building that with how they've depicted the fiends being released from, from torment. So I'm hoping that what Golbez, I know what Golbez is doing is fucked up, obviously, but I'm hoping that it ends up being, you know, something where like it, it, how do I put this? It has a deeper emotional impact later and the, the fiends don't have to stick around forever for that to happen. Is what I, I'm saying, I guess. A couple of things I really like that they've done, um, in regards to Zero's character growth and the fiends on those two points that uh, I've seen brought up. <laughs> One, um, I love that of all the ways they went with humanizing zero, they went with probably the most universal way. Food. <laughs> Food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it is like, yep. a, it is like a one grace that amongst any sort of disdain, as long as they don't do an arc where she eats pineapple on pizza, everyone's going to love it. Like as long as yeah. they don't go that route, then it'll stay whole, it'll stay wholesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she has, she has these scenes with the apple. She has the scenes with the bun. I've seen people complaining about the bun as well. <laughs> yeah, because people have such a good idea of how Square Enix spends their budget. They have such a, they, they know exactly how much time went into each animation and how many man hours were used for it. It's so good that all the players are so aware of that information, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> someone's. Free. That's so annoying. Someone dude. watched my video. I mean, I know like that's answer. someone's. That's someone's fucking side project, man. Like, sure that sure that's like it might be cutting edge in some regard, but like, just say that they blew the fucking the the budget on a fucking boots is a joke, man. Come on. 
I also like, I can tell Julius kind of getting the hots for her. <laughs> oh, dude, Ulysses. I yeah, so- Ulysses all over that. Soon. <laughs> I mean, he, he stopped to give her the time of day, but I love how they're doing that, honestly, because I, I recognized really quickly this, this, um, big similarity between them. I mean, having their world be destroyed by literal fucking monstrosities and being left with nothing pretty much and figuring out what they're supposed to do from it. How do you live again after something like this happened? Yeah. They're going to make babies. <laughs> They're going to be quarter void set. They're going to be the first garland that can use magic, bro. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Reapers from the, from yeah, the other village, true. kind of, you know, they had to make that's a deal true. with the devil, I suppose, but you know, yeah. quite literally. Yeah. I, the whole arc about that where they were, dude, if you've not, dude, if you, for anyone who hasn't done the Reaper job quest, man, there's some fucking dope lore in there for, for what happened in, in Garlemald if you don't. If you're not, not aware. And then there's some uh, lore in the dungeon where you get to pick up a little note that talks about a really dated assass- uh, assassination attempt on the king, uh, which is back from a time before the empire was established. So there's been multiple, um, well, regicide attempts in, in that case to, to de- dethrone the king um, of, of certain clans back then at the hand of the Reapers. So the Reapers have had a hand, they, you know, they've had a hand in, in shit for a long time. For those who don't know, spoiler alert for the, for the Reaper job quest. They tried to assassinate the emperor. <laughs> they tried to assassinate Emperor Sol- Emperor Solasas Galvis, which obviously, you know, you can't really do. So he turned the void scent of uh this man against him. He basically let the void scent fully take hold of of him and he turned into a crazed void scent himself. So anyway, and then we cut his head off. <laughs> and we cut his fucking head off. Yeah. I mean, yep. That did happen. Other spoiler. <laughs> also something I did right before 6.3 came out. Um so like my timeline for having done Final Fantasy four, like before N uh, with N Walker, like then the Lopritz and everything, and then going into this, just having done the Reaper stuff is like couldn't have been timed better. Yeah, no, they did uh, they did a great job. The other thing is, and I'm gonna blow people's minds about this particular aspect about the fiends. They are hardly characters in Final Fantasy four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna blow yeah. your mind. They they do almost nothing in that game. <laughs> they really except don't. they are bosses. <laughs> they have like in a grand total between all four of them, they have a total of like ten lines in like the whole fucking game. They're two Boba Fett's worth of dialogue. <laughs> seriously, seriously. <laughs> when you can they measure were... dialogue in Boba Fett's as a unit of measure, you haven't done very much. <laughs> It's not a lot of dialogue, please. No, I mean, I agree with you. There wasn't, like, that's kind of, I struggled a bit because, you know, I looked at some of the comparisons people were making and looking back, trying to remember from four, I was like, you know, like, I remember fighting them and, like, how Rubicante was more complex and thoughtful than the others, but other than that, like, they weren't that interesting. <laughs> like, the, you know, I don't... I don't really know what people were expecting, but it's okay to, it's okay to be disappointed. You know, if you like yeah. had an expectation or whatever and like you, you were just like, I get it. I get it. Especially if you're a big fan of four, many people are. It's one of the most popular in the franchise alongside of six, obviously and seven. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And hopefully what we are going to get is the more fleshed out, cooler, meaningful arc through zero and Golbez, you know, and that's the point, right? And, and Ashdaya and, and, you know, and, and, um, Ritra. That's, that's the narrative they want to focus on because 
the, it's not about the four fiends. Uh, even Golbez himself says that. Even, you know, they've done what they were supposed to do. Even should my four fiends fall, I will not halt my steps. It doesn't matter. Even to Golbez. So, yeah. Sly? I'm, honestly, I, I'm kind of over it. I'm kind of over it now. Over what? Like, I'm. The pulling from old stuff? No, not even that, because I know what they're going to have to, they're going to have to after this. So, like, really, the Golbez arc, the Golbez arc is okay. The Golbez zero, you know, you know. It's okay. I'm more interested in where we're going. And I'm more interested in, like, and, and like you say, like, they, like, like, pulling from old stuff is, isn't a bad thing. Because I kind of have a theory about what we're going to be dealing with next. I mean, again, we, we, Mike and I have talked about this, like, of course we're going to Maricidia. Um, oh yeah. Again, I say we're going to the new world. Um, so why? what is, yeah, well, why not? It's been alluded to, oh, one, it's been alluded to so much, so much, um, through, through, uh, Blue Mage, through Crafter Quest, we're going to the new world, eventually. We're going everywhere. How, like, fly. I want to know what. What Golbez and Zero are like what this arc is alluding to. Like, like how do we get always there? A bigger, yeah, there's always a bigger bad. Right. And I'm trying to figure out who the bigger bad is. Like, who's behind the scenes? Like, I feel like there's something behind the scenes with Golbez. And I just want to know, like, I want to know how we're going to get from point Z to A1, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, <clears throat> I've had this theory in the back of my head uh, for the longest time that you know um, we're going to the next new world expansion. Kind of... <laughs> <laughs> He's been on Reddit. He said. <laughs> I mean, I've been on Reddit, but this is this is just a personal slide theory. Like, I have a theory that, like, again, the new world is kind of what an allusion to what what we would consider like America, I guess. The 1700s Native America, yes. Yeah. Um. I have a feeling that once we get to the new world, we're gonna deal with sin. Oh, sin's gonna be there. Oh, Why? Please, sin, dude. like, I feel like please. sin is, is the, is the big bad in the new world because, like, because of the parallel belief system. Like, in, in like 1700s America, like, I think of Christianity, I think of, you know, Native Americans and, and whatnot. And I think, like, really, like, the new world, like, it's sin. Well, I, I'm not even gonna talk about. I'm gonna this. stop you there. Yeah, no, there. I'm gonna shut Yo, you. I'm gonna shut that go. down. You class right blitzballer, now. baby. We're not. There's no, no blitzball oh, in the new world. Okay, no. just putting that out there. <laughs> we're not. We're gonna. We're not gonna go to blitzball. But I really think that sin is, is going to be the big bad in the new world. I I would fucking love that, dude. Final Fantasy X was my first Final Fantasy. I don't give a f- fucking send it, dude. I I subscribe to that. Let's do it. Also, and yes, I do want barbecue because they did say barbecue was in the new world. So yes, I do want barbecue. I would like barbecue. You know, actually, wait a second. Ba- have you done the Studium quest lines? 
that's where I got it from. Yeah. I got the yeah, info. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where I got the info. I'm like, wait, shut the fuck up. They got barbecue in the new world. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, we stand around the barbecue and read poetry. I'm like, motherfucker, what? Please. I need that. What's interesting oh, yep. is that um, we actually kind of have a scope for the new world. Obviously, we have the real world to base it off of North America, South America, well, Latin America, yeah. Canada. You know, we have the general landmass, you know, idea. But and we also know Emmett mentioned the golden cities of the new world, which would you'd imagine more, you know, focus more towards like middle to South America versus versus North yeah. America. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm cu- I'm curious the scope of how many different cultures and and ordeals there probably are over there. Well, I mean, isn't so. that, um, pardon my ignorance here, this is going to sound real fucking dumb, but okay. isn't that like the region in which like we first made landfall when we came from Europe was like in the Central American region and like Southern American mm-hmm. region? We didn't land in the United States no, where they are no. now. No. So no. the new world, I mean, that's, that's where they fucking landed, like El Dorado type shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fucking sweet. Like, like Mesoamerican, like, that would be, I'd fuck with that. He, or I, the whole, I mean, it could be huge. Like what, you, like what, I mean, it could be fucking huge. Maybe a yeah. whole, a, a whole continent's worth, multiple continents. It's a whole half of the world that's unexplored. And they have a, what and I, you know what, with Final Fantasy XI, they have a lot of, they have a lot of history of ignoring about half the size of the world. True. So, I mean, Corvos like is something yeah. that we'd like to get to as well at some point. Corvos is between, uh, Razadhan and, and, um, and, uh, um, Garlemald. Yeah. So, at some point, we'd like to go there. I mean, uh, Raha's um, alluded to it before. I mean, that's where he's from. So there's a lot of really cool places I'd like to explore. But New World being... I mean, Emmett... <laughs> fucking spoiler alert, Emmett, dude. Like, everything that he has alluded to so far has had a meaning, you know? The the treasures beneath the bounty. Uh, the fucking true identity uh, identities of the Twelve. Like, both of those things have had a huge, huge meanings. And... uh it's kind of crazy. So I, I, I mean, I think, you know, Emmett may have just mapped out a, a, a little bit more literally than, than we think. Uh, so that's, yeah, a, that's a possibility. I think, I think the next rising, we go back to the Square Enix office and it's just Emmett in a cubicle, just writing, just <laughs> writing out the next expansion. And there, there's, like, you're not supposed to be here. There's like weird shit in that dialogue too. Like, uh, there's Hithlodeus's dialogue at the end there where he says, um, you know, Perhaps we'll meet again in another life, you know, with, with new parts for all to play. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what do you mean by that? Like, are you guys going to return to the star and be, are you coming back one day? Or like, what, what does that mean? There's so many little illusions that they make at the end there. Uh, so it is interesting, Sly, especially to think about like from where we are now, how would we get to like the Merisidia part? Like, and Ashdaya mm-hmm. and, and Vricho, you think, would be probably, like, essential to that. That makes me wonder, like, why is it that Vritra and Ashdaya are so in- inherent in this story? That's got to tie to Merisidia, you think, right? Like, yeah, in some kind of way. So, yeah, I, I think I would, I, I don't have the idea of how it happens, but I would love to go to Merisidia so fucking bad. So, I'm with you. It's been on a lot of people's mind. Yeah. Like that, I mean, where else are we going to go? Another shard? Dude, can I share with you a pet theory on a shard? Oh, please. Okay. I would love so bad mm-hmm. for, for, uh, Hildebrand and Godbert and that family and that lineage. I would love for them to be from another shard and that shard to be where Manderville actually is. Like the place where they come from, 
and Manderville is full of them. And just nothing but people like them who have like superpowers that we can't explain. Right? They have- so they're basically from Krypton. Yes! Yes! Yes. That would explain Julian. That would explain, that would explain the, the entire family strength. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I we're getting an okay. aliens on the moon arc right now. Like we're getting like conspiracy theory aliens. You know, I don't know. I, I have no evidence to substantiate the claim whatsoever, but someone suggested, what if Manderville was a place one time in the chat? And I was like, holy shit. Like what if it's on another shard or something or, uh, or, or maybe some Alligans escaped with some teleportation technology back before they were struck by the calamity and they, they escaped with some cloning technology and there's been Alligans slowly repopulating another shard and gaining dominion over it. We go there and we get to see this full blown Alligan civilization that is like taking over or preparing to like come, come take the source or something. Anyway, just, just spitball random ideas of what we could see on the, on the shards and, and Emmett makes that <laughs> comment. The civiliz- you, you know, the civilizations on the other shards may surprise you. And I wonder what, I just kind of wonder what he means by that. Oh, I don't know just... that, I don't know that Manderville is a I don't like, I like Dude, the thought please. of Emmett, Emmett knowing Manderville is a place. <laughs> Take me to Manderville! <laughs> no, it's just, I, that'd be, I think that'd be, maybe the Manderville Golden Saucer is a spaceship. Okay, now you're actually the guy with the blown out hair doing. doing I mean, it floats thing. in the sky, doesn't it? Does it? it, does, it does. I don't know if it does. It I don't know. It might be connected to a building or a rock. I have no idea. I believe it's connected to the ground. <laughs> I mean, <if> I... <laughs> but you know, like most buildings are, it's connected I, to I just the ground. Seeing, I just remember seeing it from Southern Thanaland, and it looked like it was in the sky. Yeah, but that's how anyway. we'll send the poo home through the gold saucer. They'll just launch out of the you gold saucer. You never know. You never know. <laughs> but anyway, that's obviously totally cra- random spitball theory type shit. But yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> you're, you're right. I do know. Hey, you know what? That just means that you're extra looking forward to the Manderville quests. In, in I honestly, after a Realm Reborn, they got way better, dude. They got way better. If, if, like, and I hate to say it, but that's just kind of the, the trend with the game. Um, and so I'm not surprised that Hildebrand kind of followed suit. And, uh, you know, the humor just has points where it's really dry and really drawn out, almost like the wine quest type shit where it's like, you're almost kind of putting in my face that you're wasting my time in this quest. And as a player, I kind of don't like that. Um, but after you get through that and you get to Heaven's Ward, I thought it got way better. I thought it was, the humor was, more varied, you know, they, it was, it was not always so dry or so slapstick all the time. Um, Hildebrand got a lot better and I, and I have enjoyed the quest line so far, uh, in, 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 uh, I almost said Heaven's Ward and Endwalker. Um, no, you can say uh, Heaven's Ward because if you don't feel anything doing the GG plot in Heaven's uh, Ward, you don't have a soul. That's Papa Hildy, Papa Hildy. That's the voice I gave him the whole time, dude. Can I be a real so, boy, you know, Papa Hilly? Vivi does have a voice. You know who does Vivi's voice? Who? Phil and Lil from from Rugrats. No yeah. way, really? World of Final Fantasy, yeah. Phil and Lil from Rugrats. Damn, dude, that's my that's part of my childhood back then, dude. I can. I played the video game. <laughs> the Rugrats on me. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, I played it too. There's a lot of that's, them, that's but awesome. yeah, I've played one or two. 
Yeah. Yeah, and That's then in Kingdom Hearts huh? 2, it was Alphonse, Eric, uh, Elric, sorry, yeah, from, uh, Full Metal. Yeah. So there's a few, yeah. there's a few pretty recognizable voice actors who have done Vivi at some point. But for me, uh, the Phil and Lil one always made more sense. I was like, that, you know what? That fits, cause then I imagine all the mages sound similar, and then it's fun, cause Phil and Lil are twins anyway. It works yeah, out. that's that works. That works out. Sorry, yeah. my my brother is messaging me and distracting me. I apologize. That's fine. I literally, uh, I constantly am looking at other devices just because my brain moves too fast. For yeah, my brain. relatable. <laughs> relatable. <laughs> my brain moves too fast for my brain. I have us all on the screen in three different places. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, uh, that no, yeah, no, no, I, re- I relate to that. No, but no, well, seriously, we, if you haven't but, done Heaven's Word, Hildebrand, <laughs> please go do it. Oh yeah. You should catch up on all of it, honestly. That yeah. The I think it's pretty good after you finish Realm Reborn. Well, well another uh another part ahead. I wanted to kind of touch on with you, Pyro, is uh the twelve. Huh. Aglaya and Euphrosine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cracks cracks fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so did, we, did we even get the chance to talk about Aglaya last time with you? Uh, I don't know if we did. I I yeah. hope I, I hope I don't know. I don't know if we did. I can check. But so you want to start there? <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. So yeah. Um. So this is hands down um my favorite uh part of the game. Uh. Wow. And that's saying something. The reason, there's a couple reasons. Um, one, it's a, it's a pantheon of gods. So, <laughs> and I, that was my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's a couple reasons. Please don't, a couple reasons. <laughs> Please don't say Please don't say No, I don't. Twitch chat will say that for you, for me. Don't worry yeah. about it. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, it's a, pan- um, but yeah, it's a pan- pantheon of gods, yeah. which I really loved from WoW. It was my favorite thing in World of Warcraft. I studied that pantheon <laughs> more than any other subject in the game. Um, and because of who these people are and the meaning. And for me, there was a lot of meaning because, um, I, I, I kind of, I mean, I got it all right. <laughs> like, I kind of guessed all of it. Um, that just was revealed to us in Ephrosini. Um, Literally all of it. And I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I was just, I was blown away by how much, um, they gave to us in this raid. And, mm-hmm. and by what I mean is, um, by that, what I mean is back when we were in Aglaia and I've always, I've always found the 12 interesting. Uh, I try to pay very close attention to cutscenes and dialogue. And when we were first going through, um, Adam Nisa Snyder back in, uh, Shadowbringers and, um, back in Amarot, uh, or, or not in Amarot, but it was underneath the sea, uh, what's his face took us to it, but, um, Bismarck, we, yeah. Bismarck, thank you. We, we, uh, we see in the cutscene Vana and we see 12 other people. And I saw that and I always made note of that there was 12 people there. And that was always a very peculiar number to me because we have 12 gods. And it was with Vana and these people, you know, what Vana stood for was this virtue, this hope for mankind, right? That they were not going to just summon this God that was going to fix their problems, that 
they fit like Vana uh, figured out that this was going to just lead to them destroying themselves. And so these people that, that followed her and believed in her and presumably had similar virtue joined with her to sacrifice themselves to create Heidelin. Now here's the thing is that there's a short story called a friendship of record on the website that I read through m- several times. And in that you learn about Vana's kind of, um, confidant, so to speak, as she is learning and growing. So this guy was an archivist at, um, Anamnesis Anider when Vana first became an archivist at Anamnesis Anider. And he saw this deep passion within her to, for knowledge and for, um, uh, Ferraris and books and Lamborghinis. No, I'm just kidding. Um, for knowledge and, uh, for cosmic knowledge. I was thinking, and, and it. I'm for, glad you said it. And, and, for, <laughs> and for enlightenment. Um, right. And he was always there for her. Every time she came back to him in need of some information, a cosmological tome, something that would help her in her studies, he was there to help her find it. And so he watched her become an archivist and watched her become a Zen and take up that mantle. And unfortunately, through that, their relationship became a little more strained because of the formalities that are involved with being a Zen, right? She can't, they can't talk to each other the same way. He doesn't feel that he can address someone of her stature, her, of her seat adequately anymore. She doesn't like that very much, right? This makes her upset. So this shows that they, they cared about each other. They have this connection. They want to be around each other, but this Azem thing has kind of made it a little hard. Well, we learn that this individual was there with her in the final moments before she became Heidelin with the other people. So we know that this guy was present that day. We also know that that individual is the Watcher. That individual becomes who we know as the Watcher on the moon. Modeled off of Fusoya from Final Fantasy IV. Now, in the dialogue with the Watcher and with the dialogue in the short story, the word rebirth, reborn, is used. And I want to highlight this because words like that I don't think should be taken lightly. The Watcher talked about how through this process with Heidelin, he was reborn. Not just washed away and that some other figment of him who now he is, is the representation of who the Watcher used to be. No, 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 no. He talks about it as if he's the same person. And this is very interesting because we find out later in the raid in Ephrosini that two of the gods, one of the gods has an, a, a dialogue line that is absolutely word for word identical with a person that you can find in Elpis who is speaking to their brother, just like Nemea is speaking to Althik. Word for word, the same dialogue. Only the name is changed. So these are people. They're the same people. They're not lost. They weren't, they weren't destroyed. These people weren't destroyed when this happened, when Vinod did this, which is what everyone was convinced of. These people were not destroyed. 
what we learn going into Ephrosini is that these 12 gods are not coincidental. And I, I knew this. I fucking knew it going into it. I knew that these 12 people were the followers of Anah. I, ha- I always had a feeling because they are non-interventional as they highlight in Ephrosini. They do not come down and fix your problems. That's not what they're for, right? They're not primals. They're not meant to suck up your ether and eat away the land and as a, as a result give you uh, powers that are unnatural because they're fueled by this faith that creates a thing that really is like, is not good, right? They're mm-hmm. formed out of, out of the desire for mankind to succeed. They're, they're, they're born out of the hopes and dreams of mankind. They are shaped by probably at this point by dynamis, to be honest with you. Um, that's what it's looking like. And considering that Vana is aware of the medium thing and is aware of the dynamis thing, like she didn't have her mind wiped. She knows about that stuff. It doesn't surprise me that in the final days, they, you know, there was a, there was a plot put together to make this happen. Let me backtrack because I'm, I'm, I'm getting real deep. In this. <laughs> Let me backtrack. Let me backtrack. So there's, there's things you have to realize about the gods, 12 gods. From the get-go, before we even went into Aglaia, there's something that's important, okay? They all represent an element. Fire, leaven, yes. wind, ice, earth, whatever, okay? And one is for the astral, and one is for the umbral. It's for the umbral, yep. Right. Balance. We see immediately, as a pantheon, they represent balance between all elements. So, in Elpis... <laughs> They have an area called the Twelve Wonders, and the Twelve Wonders is a big, basically elemental, alchemical reader that tells them what the balance of the elements in Elpis is. And through the side quest, you can find out that adjusting the elements for them, the ancients in Elpis, was as easy as breathing. This is not hard for them. They had a deep understanding of elemental nature and balance. Which is why even, unfortunately with Dynamis, which is why in the final days, even with all that knowledge, it, it didn't save them, right? All their knowledge of etherology, um, they couldn't save them. Then you look at the fact that, like, they're all humanoid. Hmm. That's interesting. They're all depicted as humanoids for the most part. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. Weren't those the forms they took on? Like, they said, like, these are the forms that, you know... The, like, the people, gave. the, uh, people, I guess, the, the, uh, their, yes, the, the people yeah. who believed in them, that they, that they gave them essentially. That's yes. not surprising though. If you look at like real religion, a... like most, most people, when yeah. they depict like God or some godlike being, like they may <laughs> have animalistic traits or like animal, but a lot of the times they are, you know, it, it's, a, it's a common sort of transcendence, especially if you're thinking like you're children of gods or anything like that. Right. Right, and and so I say that not as a cho- as a chosen form, yeah. But they were humanoid before as well, and yeah. they are there for mankind, right? Who are all going to be humanoid inevitably. The point more so is that I just found it interesting. Wow, they're, they're all they all kind of look this way. I wonder again. This is before Aglia. This is before Ephrosina. Before we knew these things, right? Why do they look this this way? And I think, and I start to think about started to think about like, what is their purpose? What have they done for us? What have they actually done? Like, they have helped us uh, find f- hope. They've helped us find faith. They've helped us find commerce. 
and trade. They've helped us to establish city-states that, through, uh, through faith in them, has kept those civilizations alive through insurmountably harsh conditions like Ishgard and Halone, for, ex- for example, right? They basically, they do what a god in real life is supposed to do, if you, if I'm allowed to say that, that like, they're meant to inspire mankind to bring out the virtue within themselves. It wasn't a, it's not about the god, you pray to the gods and they come down and save you, right? That's what primals are. And that's why these things are different. And so I look at it and I, I see, you know, these guys have been here basically like since we've recorded history, at least as early as the third Umbel era. And we have no idea where they came from, but they're divine in essence. They seem to give mankind virtue, hope, reason to live, reason to expand, reason to do this, that, or the other. They've given us guidelines. They've given us principles, morals, just like religion has done for people in real life. But the thing is, is that they can't, they can't appear to you. And there was one comment that was made by one of my mods in the Discord. He said, you know, this is after we got into Aglia. He said, it seems apparent to me that the gods are showing us exactly what we want to see. And I went, you know what? In a sense, you're right. He's He absolutely was right. It made me think, when <laughs> after we go into Aglia, everything that we see in here is exactly like it's described in in the encyclopedia. Word for word, it is identical. Their descriptions, the way they look, Nafika's teats, right? All this stuff is exactly Nafika's what Nafika's. we thought it was going to be, right? I started to see that as early as Aglia, and I went, these, it's 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 shaped by us. It's shaped by us. Like, it's shaped by what we believe is there. That's why it's there. And they put it there because of that. Like, it's it's there because of our influence. And we saw this uh, in Efrosini with the moon uh, that, in, in, a, in a, a Menfina fight. But um, back to it, like, they also, they always seemed to be potentially inspired by the convocation members. Like, how um, when you start reading about their charges in Efrosini as they're going around the... Uh, the thing in the middle, the, the, the fucking envelope, what the fuck ever they called the thing. They have a term for it now, but I can't remember what it's called. The envelope. The envelope. What's monument? in the envelope? The, yeah, the monument. Thank you. I guess is what they're, what they call it. And it's listing off each of like what they focus on. And if you actually go through and you read yep. of all the convocation members, a lot of that is actually very fucking similar. Like this person focuses on flora and fauna. This person specializes in, uh, uh, aquatic wildlife in the oceans. This person specializes on this, this, and this, right? So there was a lot of similarities there as well. There was so much linking the 12 back to the ancients. You walk into the Omphalos and you see the, the Amarat spirals on the top of their little towers, which look exactly the same. The, the pods themselves almost look exactly the same as the Loperates, the Loperate ones do on the moon, which also have the same swirl, by the way. <laughs> like that's coincidental and kind of weird. There's also the fact that the, the Omphalos was floating over Silver Tear Falls, which seems to be like the center of the fucking world, the center of Eorzea, where the font of magic sits, and the place where Heidelin wanted Midgard Zemir, her most probably significant ally ever, kept Silver Tear Falls safe from the Garlands, and kept Mordona safe, where the Seventh Heaven Inn is located, where the entrance to the Seventh Heaven, the Omphalos, is also located. So... 
through this through this quest line as you go through Aglia Fersini, you kind of see Snowgem, the researcher, kind of bugging out, kind of like I am right now, because she's seeing this and going, "This is not a coincidence. This is fucking destiny." Like this, we were brought into this place by Derek, who at this point I am one hundred percent convinced is Oshan. Yes, who is also the because, wanderer who draws a parallel to Azim itself. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And 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 people look for that Azim Azima thing, right? As we yeah. talked about, I think we talked about this before, maybe that Azim is definitely more parallel to Oshan. It's not even close, and that's I think why Oshan is is with us. And, and guiding us through this and why he has such kind of solemn words for you at the end of the raid and, and kind of somber words about when he has to, when, when we finally do have to part ways, he's going to be very, he's going to be very saddened by that. And I think that part of that has to do with him maybe feeling a connection to us because he is very likely modeled off of us. And we learn in Ephrosini that there's more to the 12. There's more to this, and there's more than 12. We learn about the secret one, the unnamed one, which, with the help of one of my Discord members, Hazius, and a sub of mine, we predicted accurately that the Watcher was one of the 12 gods, and was secretly one of them. Um, and during the Ephrosini raid, at the end of the descriptions for the gods... Um, I have them all screenshotted. Yeah, I'm I hope them right now. Um, um, the one that says "He who is unnamed." Yes, do you mind reading that? Um, if you have it, I just wanted to get the exact quote so I don't fuck it up. You mean tell me I got every one of them but the unnamed one. But yeah, there's no way that I managed to do the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did the same fucking shit. God damn it. Sorry, sooner or later chat will get done wa- done waiting for you guys to find it and they'll just... Fuck it, I'm going to read them all. As beings who endure by the will of the star, we are susceptible to the influence of hopes and prayers, which... Hopes, you know, sounds like dynamis to me. Thus do we commit yeah. our yokes herein. But again, the point is hopes and prayers. This, this ties back into what I was, I, I'm so ADHD, man. I'm so sorry. I'm so fucking scattered. <laughs> Earlier, I was trying to say one of the things that stood out about the 12 to me is their non-intervention, right? It's about people discovering the hope themselves and finding a way through the darkness, which is what Heidelin stood for the whole time. That was like the root of, of why she was doing what she, what she did. Is her love for humanity and the hope that mankind would find a way where the ancients failed, right? So the 12 align with that motive. When we got into Aglaia later, we also found out that when calamities happened, the 12's influence spread, which could have been coincidental, but the fact is, is that when calamities happen, Zodiac gets stronger, Heidelin gets weaker, but also the 12's influence spreads. So because of that, they were almost kind of like I don't want to say a um, a contingency because they were never meant to be a contingency. They were never meant to come down and save us, which is why we learn that at the Battle of Cartano, 
and I want to make this very clear because I still get questions about this today. At the Battle of Cartineau, when, when Louis Swa and all of us used our combined faith in Eorzea to call down the power of the Twelve, that was not really the Twelve. That was the primal manifestation of the Twelve. But what I found so remarkable about that is it, it was perfectly what we would expect from the Twelve. All of their fucking symbols, light blue magic, it's what we believe they are. It's what we believe they are. And as we found out as we went through the raid, they are literally shaped by everything we believe. Thalamud, when it was constructed in the sky and people started worshipping it, the only reason Menfina's hound that you fight in the fight exists is because we believe it does. That's the only reason it's there. Halone has become a little bit more up, up her ass, or I think that's what they said, or maybe it's the other way around, over the last couple millennium because of the influence of people in Ishgard. And the people that worship her, they were literally shaped by us. So to go back to this, as beings who are susceptible to the influence of hopes and prayers, we commit our yokes herein lest we stray from our purpose. He who is named Byrgot shall preside over construction, his duty to fortify the works of men and encourage them to build. As soon as they started going into this dialogue, I started basic, my heart started fucking racing. Because I knew that as soon as they started putting words in there, like, the works of men encourage them to build. We we put our, our yokes in for the prayers and hopes of mankind. I knew that they were going down the line of confirming what I had been believing the whole fucking time. That these were her followers that have been looking over us the whole time. And they have made a great sacrifice and have had to wait ten, like, ten, thousands of years, just like in, in a different sense, in a, in a, uh, in the, in the sense like the, uh, the others, uh, the void sent do, right? So, um, anyway, yeah, uh, the point is, is that they're, they're, they, they ended up being what we, what we wanted them to be, what we've always believed them to be. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of got thrown off by a little bit of a distraction on being messaged again in my, uh, by my brother. So, um, you guys mind if I continue? Am I yeah, okay? Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, go yeah, ahead, you're, please. You're, you're, yeah, you're you're on your you're on your grind right now. Okay, apparently I'm imposing, yes. so I just want to make sure I'm not imposing. No, but... you are not. Okay, we are taking um, this shit in. I might okay. get, I might get some whiskey. Go ahead. Uh, the next dialogue is: uh, She who is named Azema shall preside over the sun. Her duty to nurture its life giving light and illuminate the truth for all to see. And then the next one, of course: He who is named Naldthal shall preside over the subterrane. His duty to make gleam the riches. Uh, hidden deep in the darkest depths and in men and themselves, etc., etc. So we go on to Nafika, um, Althik, Halone, Menfina, Thaliak, Nemea, Limlane, and then Oshan here at the end. Oshan, he who is named Oshan, shall preside over the mountains. His duty to sustain the breath of the firmament and in wandering share, and in wandering share in men's solitude. And that, I mean, that's a, that's Azen. I mean, hail and whole. That is the descript, that is the description of what Azem does. Sustain the breath of the firmament and in wandering, share in men's solitude. Learn the truth of the hearts of man. And then to follow this one, he who is unnamed, so a thirteenth unnamed God, shall watch unflinching his duty to stand guard over his charge always and unto the end, which is, of course, confirmation that the Watcher 
on the moon, who was also present when Heidelin was born, is one of the 13 gods. The reason why he's not spoken about is because he's too fucking dangerous to let people know that he exists. Because of what he's guarding. And the immediate question that people will ask is, why is he spread across the, the shards and the other 12 aren't? Here's why. Because Zodiac got spread across all the shards. And you can't take all the power, whatever power in their souls that those people had, probably best not to expunge all of that trying to thin it out over the shards. Take one person and split them up, let them watch, and don't tell anybody that he exists. Because if you do, they will go and they will fucking loose Zodiac. Golbez went to the fucking moon and he killed the Watcher. And that's caused probably a lot of problems on the 13th. So that just goes to show how important it is that no one knows that he's there. The unnamed one that goes without anybody noticing. Here's my theory about the raid here. The final boss is going to be the Watcher, in my opinion. It's going to, I hope that it's going to be like fighting Fusoya. I hope that he calls down comets and I hope that he calls down meteor and I hope it's fucking awesome. That's what I hope. I hope that we get to fight the Watcher as the final boss. What I think, however, as a kind of a counterpoint to myself, is that if one of the 12 is the most skilled in combat, I'd probably guess that it's Oshan. And even though Derek likes to walk around and pretend like he doesn't fight anything, and he doesn't know how to do he doesn't, he's, he's, you know, he's pacifist, I think that's bullshit. I think Oshan probably kicks some ass if he wanted to, because I know Azam kicks some ass if he wants to, and I know Vanak kicks some ass if she wanted to. So... I don't believe this notion that Derek doesn't fight. So I think I think Oshan will be the second to last boss. Um, yeah. The question on everybody's mind: the fuck is that Opo Opo? I think the Opo Opo is just a monkey. I think honestly, you honestly like, and they say that they even say that in the clip. They're like, perhaps it's just a monkey, you know? Like, perhaps it's really just an Opo Opo. And I, I honestly am kind of thinking that it is. He just showed compassion to a, a wild animal. And I think it was meant to be the, the, the red herring, obviously, I think, because we know that they take the form of little minions. We know that Derek, honestly, he looks just like Oshan is supposed to look red hair, you know, green cloak and adventuring. And, you know, he, he kind of depicts Oshan and he has burgundy hair. So the idea of red herring is more of a pun than you realize. But I think the Oppo Oppo is, is the, is the, the red herring. It was the one thing we were all like, that's Oshan, I think it's either Derek or it's Oshan. And then in the most recent raid, the way Oshan talks to you, the way they talk about the monkey, the Apo Apo, I think they, I think they made it, I think they made it obvious that that the Apo Apo is not Oshan at the, Oshan at this point. But that's that's my that's my take on that. What's interesting about that that uh, monument, even having mention of the Watcher, is something <laughs> you said earlier. All of that is because we believe it's there. So well. Well, yes, to an extent. The realms in which they reside, I think, are born of our um, our hopes and those kinds of things. The Omphalos itself, I'm not so sure. I think the Omphalos was actually probably crafted, um, like made physically. I think the ether there, and when we get in there, like the way that we um, interact with the ether and our our, our um, 
Grahatia's um, acknowledgement of the ether is like, yeah, there's a lot of ether here, which is like, okay, that's cool. But when Grahatia went into the realms with us this last time with that big fucking thing on his back, he took a bunch of readings that we don't get to see yet for the record. So I think those readings might come back that there's not that much ether and there is a fuckload of dynamis. I think that's probably what we're going to find out. And that's why he's taking etheric readings. Why the fuck else would we be doing that? We already know they're not primals. They've already told us they're not sucking ether out of the land. So I feel like the only reason we, we even measure that is to find out that there's not a lot of ether. Um, one other thing, uh, and so, and to say that, that's why I guess I would say, um, in that respect, there is a certain outline. There is a certain defining they wanted these gods to be something, right? Like, it wasn't a blank slate that mankind just shaped from the very get-go. It was, it was, they seemed to be created, like Sly and I were kind of alluding to earlier, with inspiration from the convocation. Like, they had some idea of what they wanted from this initially. Um, I would also note, however, that some of them may not have had fully an idea of what was going to happen because... Um, in the short story, the Watcher who gives Heidelin the final piece of cosmological wisdom that was necessary for her to perform this fucking thing that she does to become Heidelin, uh, he doesn't know the full truth of that information. And he, he mentally acknowledges that she has probably kept some stuff from him and that he doesn't know the full truth of what's going to happen to them. And that is the line that left it open for me. Like, if they're going to, if they're going to put it like that in the short story, I don't believe that they're gone. These people could still be those 12 people because if they're reborn through Heidelin, like, how much do we really, like, we might know. And then, as we talked about earlier, going back to Efrosini, we now know that Nemea and her brother can be found as the ancients that they were in Elpis. The Watcher can't. And I want to make that clear because the Watcher says to you, during his time, uh, during our time in Elpis, he would have been an Anamnesis Aniter, which is an Amarok. So we have, we would not have met the Watcher in our time to Elpis. But, and I'll finish with this. <laughs> the thing that blows my mind the most about that, for people who haven't seen that, it is line for line the exact same dialogue. And the only way that you would have been able to catch this is if you remembered that from the Ether Current Unlock quests, the one-time unrepeatable quests that you did from back when you first went through Elpis. That is the dialogue that has the quote that matches. Not a side quest you can go do now, not a repeatable quest. It was a one-time offhand quest that they hid this in, and someone on Twitter found it. Some random person on Twitter noticed it and posted it, and if they didn't, I don't know if we'd be sitting here talking about this right now, which is insane. The stuff that they hide in this game is fucking crazy. That blew my mind. Now I'm going back through Opus and I can't fucking stop. I can't walk by someone without stopping to read their dialogue. I'm like, who are you? Is this Nafika? Her tits aren't big enough. It can't be possible. So I'm like, you know, it's, 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 it's fun. It's no, exciting. We, we it's... made those, remember? <laughs> yeah, technically, you're not wrong. We say Nafika's tits. And we keep, we say it enough times that eventually it might come true. So honestly, yeah, it's, 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 it's been it's been awesome, man. And they hint it. They hint the little things so much in the story. When you go to Uldan, and apparently the big things too. And the big things too. You go to Uldan. You go to learn about Nodthal, and Oshan's with you. And Oshan's really nervous about going there to talk about, or not Oshan. Derek is with you. He's really nervous to talk about Nodthal and his followers and stuff. 
A lot of people wouldn't know. Oshan created an old doll. So it might be a little nerve-wracking for Oshan to go with us and be like, oh, yeah, this is a Nothal. And, like, <laughs> this is my guy, right? So, um, you know, there's there's little do, hints do we, in everything. Do we invoke... I'm sorry, do we invoke Thal's balls every time we say that, too? We have to be affecting Thal, not Thal, too. Yeah. I think so. That's why I mean, he drops yeah, his balls. balls on us in the, in the Dude, late fight. And, and you know what? When I saw the balls coming down from the sky, I said, Bring your balls! Re- rejoice! I had no qualms with that. I was excited when I saw Thal's balls. Can I tell you one more little personal theory? Then I'm going to shut, shut up for a minute while you guys talk. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Tynamis is stored in the <laughs> ball. <laughs> There's one other quirk about the 12. I think it's very important. One of them, their creation is not accounted for. We know how the Watcher came to be. And through the creation mythos, we know how every god came to be except one. Oshan. Yeah. Oshan, the wanderer, randomly, literally wandered in one day and, and became part of their pantheon with them. Wandered in. Now, I want you to realize something. We have one too many god here. We have one too many gods. We have 13 gods. We have Vana and 12 followers, plus Heidelin. How did we get 13 gods with only 12 followers? I would just ask you a question. If you were Azem, freely doing whatever you wanted to do around the world, and you heard, and we know Azem likes to make familiars. So to make a long story, to make a long theory short, I think that it's possible that Oshan is not only inspired by Azem, but is a creation of Azem. And I think that part of the reason why Oshan may feel connected with us is because, in a sense, he's kind of a replication of us. And I think Oshan was always meant to be the wanderer. He was always meant to be the one to pull us into this, right? He's the adventurer that randomly showed up and found the entrance to the Omphalos. He just came out of nowhere. And it's because of him that we're here. Without Derek doing all this, we don't go into Ephrosini. We don't go into the Omphalos. So it all hinges around the fact that he was even a part of this and the fact that he ends up being the last one on the ring, except the Watcher, of course. And he seems heavily inspired by Zem, and we're missing a person to account for this 13th god. I think it's very possible that Azem created Oshan. And Oshan was the only, is one of the only reasons why the 12 were successful in the way that they have been and why the, the concept of the, the afterlife and like the whole Naldthal thing, why that's even a thing. Because without Oshan, Naldthal doesn't come to exist. And this is, this is raw speculation here, but it just seems within the realm of Oshan's or Azem's mind and, and Azem's thinking to consider like the afterlife and giving people a reason to not be terrified of the end and not you know, we, we see, we, you know, not begging gods for, you know, to do these things because these gods can't come down and do it. And we see it in the cutscene. We see men, uh, we see who is it, Menfina, uh, or Helone even, one of those two, right in front of them, right in front of them. You know how hard that must be to sit there and hear someone beseech your name and beg you, 
beg you for some kind of like, just give me a break here. Help me somehow. And, and, and you can't say anything to them. That's gotta be so hard, you know, especially considering they love mankind. They, especially Menfina. She's the lover, <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's very deep. I think there's a very deep connection to these 12. And I think at the end of the raid, the last wing of which will most certainly be called Thalia. At the end of the raid, I think we're going to see them all for the people that they really were in their ancient forms. And I think all of them are going to return to the star. I think all of them are going to be released from their vigil, from their watch over mankind. They've tested us. Heidelin's gone. We are rooted in our beliefs now. The people of the world are already rooted in their beliefs. The gods can go away and it doesn't make a difference. Because as we've seen, they didn't help at Cartano. They didn't, they don't help with the calamities. They don't come down and save us, right? And their, their job is done. Their job's done. And I think that as all ancients would want, and this theme, this theme with the void, what's going on with the void? We've been around for a long, long time, and we would just really want to die. It's kind of strange. And, and I, I, I think that that's parallelism. I do. I think that that's meant to parallel with the attitude happening here. I think that we are going to discover the truth of who they are, and we will be the one as Azem, as the champion of Heidelin, to release them from their eternal vigil. That's what I think the culmination of this raid is going to be. All of them will go away. So, And... To boot, so I'm sure if you know the name of the three raids, as you said, we have Aglaia, Euphrosyne, and uh, Thalia, then you know what the portal in the back technically is as well. Um, then should technically be an entrance to Abyssos, which would be the afterlife. All I'm saying is that in Pandemonium, Athena learned how to make gods. The wrong way. <laughs> Very wrong way. <laughs> the wrong way. And remember, Elidibus is there finding out what's happening on behalf of Azem, who was good friends with Vana. And this is pre-sundering. I'm going to tell you some fucked up shit. I'm not going to go through the whole explanation to substantiate this because I've spoken a lot, and I know that's what I'm here for, but... Um, I am... I am a... Uh, Pretty sure that Athena has Erichthonios and Hephaestus. They were, I'm pretty sure they were tempered to her. Like proto-tempered to the extent of like, I think Erichthonius has this unnatural draw to figure out why he was so essential in the resurrection of his mother. And I'm pretty sure that Claudian, the dark-skinned, red-eyed researcher that looks just like Erichthonios <laughs> that we've been working with. Yeah. Um, Pretty sure he's a shard of Erichthonios and that he's going to lead to the resurrection of Athena. Pretty yeah. sure that's what's going to happen. Because Athena he, he takes the memory crystal, disappears, he takes the memory and now pandemonium's yeah. in the ethereal sea. Yeah. Yes, and Athena's whole plan is to be resurrected. That was the whole fucking deal, okay? So in my opinion, Athena's the final boss of the raid, and she's going to be fucking terrifying, first of all. And I'm pretty... So what I think happens... What I think could happen... This is kind of my theory at the moment. I think La Habrea ends up consuming what the knowledge that was in the crystal. I think he probably ends up rebonding with Hephaestus. The reason why is because I think in the final days, 
La Habrea probably needed all the fucking knowledge he could get to figure out how they were going to make this Zodiac thing work. And I have a feeling that some of the information that was necessary for the summoning of Zodiac might have been hidden in the information that Athena gave to him when they did that little mind link thing that made him kind of freak out. And he's like, get the fuck out of here, right? He severed that part of himself. I have a feeling that part is going to probably come back into play. What some, what some people think is maybe he absorbed that um, back into himself. They all became tempered. He ends up being the, the La Habrea we know today. Eric Donius ends up getting sundered. That's why Claudian is a, is a shard of him, right? So there's, that's one, that's one idea. There's also ideas that people think that if, um, maybe La Habrea, the old La Habrea dies and red La Habrea Hephaestus ends up being the one that we are actually interacting with in, in, um, current times, which could be part of why he has this identity kind of crisis, why he always hops bodies, why he seems disrespected by the other uh, Asians to an extent and why he's kind of crazy and kind of like, you know, he was like, you know, he's like an evil mustache twirling villain, right? So there's some people that think maybe that's actually Hephaestus. I don't think that's a bad idea, personally. There, there's lots of ideas, but I think, uh, sorry, I think uh, we're going to see Sabik probably as the second to last boss. I think we'll probably fight Pandemonium, considering there's a Pandemonium in uh, former FF games. Um, and then we're probably going to have to fight Athena as the final boss. The fourth boss, I don't know what it could be. I have no fucking idea. Um, I have no idea. But my bet is that Elidibus takes this information and tells Azem, and some of this information might have actually also been crucial in how Vana ended up <laughs> figuring out how to do the 12 thing. Because I just find it really weird that we're getting like the pandemonium story of Athena making gods and finding out that Vana and her followers basically turned into gods. It's like, hmm, that's kind of convenient. So, anyway. That's my thoughts on that. I mean, that's, it's in line with what I think a lot of people have been thinking about pandemonium. I think Athena being the final boss was a foregone conclusion as soon as we yeah. found yeah. out about her. Oh, um, yeah. so it's just a The only other thing is the Final Fantasy XI heads being like, it's going to be pandemonium warden, which may be one of the bosses that you It could said. be the, if I guessed pandemonium warden would be first, excuse me. That would be a then... huge insult to eleven fans, but it has to happen. <laughs> I don't care. Pandemonium warden, <laughs> Sabik, uh, oh, whoops. No, no, no. Sorry, what did I say? <laughs> I would still need a fourth one. Wait, Emily Morton, Sabik, uh, Athena. Uh, Athena. We, didn't, we, still we don't know one. who the fourth would be. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's all right, because sw- oh, I said pandemonium initially. Right, right, right. Uh, are some people saying this? Hayes? I... Mm, what did I say? Wait, 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 wait. Way back. Even though I think it's far-fetched, uh, Satan. It's just straight up Satan. Satan. Honestly, could, could happen. I mean, they could, I like the, look, I, I like the angel, like heaven and hell dichotomy that they're doing between the, the, um, the alliance raid and the, and pandemonium. And like what you, like what you said, happy, like abyssos is what theoretically should connect there. And, I mean, when you think about Pandemonium, I guess it was the closest thing that my mind ever saw to, like, the Seven Hells. Um, because we've never seen the Hells. They apparently exist, but we've ne- we haven't seen those yet. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't... I mean, it wouldn't surprise me! <laughs> um, and it also yep. wouldn't surprise me if Pandemonium was always in the Ethereal Sea um, in order to um, pull upon the insane amount of ether that must have been used in the in the in the experiments and um I hate to say this but 
it makes me kind of sick to think about this, but like when you return to the star, your soul goes to the ethereal sea, right? So if Athena and her research facility were always in the ethereal sea, theoretically, Athena could be plucking souls of ancients that are returning to the star and using them as fuel for experiments. She could like be plucking dead souls out of the afterlife essentially and using them as fuel, which is fucking twisted. Um, and now to see that pandemonium is there, whether it was always there or not is frightening because I just, it scares me to think of what would happen if Athena was reborn and had access to that exorbitant amount of ether. Like that's, that's terrifying to think about. Now we always think about what would happen if, if the outside of our world got fucked up, if the calamity wrecked our world, but what happens if someone tries to fuck our shit up from the inside? That's kind of scary to think about someone trying to destroy the life stream or something like that. Um, you know, and I, I hate to say this, but I think the, the myths of the realm is going to, is going to be a raid that ends with happy tears. And I think pandemonium is going to be a raid that ends with sad tears. And that is probably going to have to, I'm going to be honest. That's probably going to have to do with Elidibus's quote about making a promise. That's probably going to come into play at the pandemonium, at the end of pandemonium, considering he's present. Um, and I think that's really going to crush our souls. I, 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 I want, a, I don't want necessarily, but the, the, the inside of me wants to see Athena have some kind of virtue where she wanted to come back and bring La Habrea with her and bring Eric Thonios, And that was her plan this whole time was just find a way to get them to come back. But no, I just don't think, no, no I don't think it's going to happen. She's too fucking terrible for that. Dude, exactly. She's fucking, she's fucking evil, dude. She's fucking evil. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, I think it's going to be grim. I think it's going to be really grim. I'm I'm curious to see uh, how much of past pandemonium is in the current day pandemonium, because you know, mm-hmm. in in theory, obviously, we we expect oh. to encounter Thaliac and uh, what something happened. No, we're good. We're good. Okay. I saw I saw your video hiccup like very momentarily, so okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, You'd assume that Elidibus and Eric would still. Sh- I'm sorry, not Elidibus. Um No, yeah, Elidibus. Yeah, Elidibus and yeah. Uh, and Eric would show up even in the current day one. Are there any other ancients that might show up in the current day one? Like, it's uh, a good, well, it's a good question. They they ask them. I think the researchers down there. If you go, because you can go down into the atioscope and, and yeah. see it. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the researchers make a comment about like if pandemonium is here. Like, what about all the keywords inside of it? Like. Did they come too? <laughs> so it, it makes you wonder, like, is Laha Brea and Eric and Themis, are they, did we just pull them into our timeline? And if we did, what the fuck? Like, what does that mean for us? <laughs> like, you know, um, if, if it's okay, can I ask you guys a question? Yes. Sure. Um, what do you think about the notion that blue quest content is side content and that it's not that relevant to MSQ? Like, I hear this take that, that people kind of, it's like, oh, it's side content and side content. So they won't connect back to each other. Right. But I think we're seeing a lot of hinting that the raids and the MSQ are probably going to connect to one another, at least the raids. So what do you guys think about like that notion that if it's side content, it's not, you can do the MSQ and it's going to be irrelevant. What do you think about that? I present you Exhibit A, Alexander, and Exhibit B, Omega, connected to Exhibit C, the Crystal Tower. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. I kind of have the same feeling of, like, it might not be required now, (laughs) 
but Eden might be required soon. Like you might have to do Eden because you might need to know how Eden works. <laughs> you know? Well, well I on. think with the I think with the Crystal oh, Tower, oh, they they I'll let you go, Sly. No, no, that's um, an eight man raid. Like too. just real quick, like how many times as of recent in patch notes has it been said, or like in in live letters has it said you might want to go back and do. Yada yada yada. You might yeah. want to go back and do Crystal Tower. You might want to go back and do the Four Lords. And like, at the end of the day, something is always something is always going to allude to something, whether it be at that current moment or in the near or far future. Something like side side quest content will always kind of harken to something in the main scenario or vice versa. Like it's just a matter of time, honestly. Yeah. 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 There's always, I mean, and, and they come up with, with good ways of like incorporating those kind of things without making them mandatory. A great example. The crystal tower to me is probably the most impressive way of making something. Keep in mind, I'm not referring to the crystal tower quest line itself, which now is mandatory, but, uh, the future us, whether or not the current us has done Alexander and Omega raids, the future us to make that crystal tower did. Yep. Or it's, and that's how they were able to pull those experiences. So even if you as the player have never done it, it's not illogical to think that, you know, the future Crystal Tower was able to use that, that story. Cause we could then go do it afterwards and now all of a sudden it makes sense. And that's so. what I love. Like I, this is good storytelling. Like this is a really good thing. I hope people realize that when you can take a, a pre-existing side story and, and make it meaningful and make it impactful for the main story, that is awesome. Like, being able to build upon established characters, established feelings, established entities and concepts, like, it's so invaluable. And I feel like you see it in other games where they try to build new shit all the time, and you see how that goes. You see what happens when other companies don't utilize the great foundational pieces that they already have. Crystal Tower is the best example, obviously, of that, and how it was quintessential in the plot of Shadowbringer. So, like, I... I would say this, given my, given the speculation, given what we know now about Efrosini, I hate to fucking say this, but you could theoretically not do Efrosini and it wouldn't change anything. And the reason why is be- exactly what I talked about earlier. Because you, be- here's why, here's why. The reason why is because you don't need to know that the power of the 12 at Card to Know wasn't the 12. You don't need to know who the 12 are. And it's never been main front storyline as a question of who the followers of Anal were either. So that was never really brought heavily into attention either. So you basically have like multiple things that by virtue of how they've been established, you could theoretically not do um, as a, think about yourself as a citizen in Eorzea. That's what I'm trying to say. You could theoretically mm-hmm. not do myths of the realm and nothing in your life would change. That's so how I feel about near <laughs> the near rates. <laughs> That's how I see it, at least anyway, is that because everything's already established, they just don't need to. Well, it doesn't change your life, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't change your life. Um, I, I, I agree with you, yes and no. Um, yeah, it's like the 12 aren't really central to a lot of things that are going on right now within Aortia, within Heidelin, quote-unquote. Um No, in in the form of, and and this is like very very minute. That's okay. Um, you you make your character, your your character creation, and you have this one option, 
And people are wondering, well, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? Fair. You eventually find out. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I'm like, I see, I see where you're coming from. And eventually, like, super stoked, obviously, to find out. I guess, I guess what I mean to say is if we never did find out, it wouldn't, mm. um, I hate saying this because it makes things sound inconsequential, which is not what I'm trying to say. Right. And then it's, it's obviously not, like, you're not talking. Right. I understand. It's obviously very important, but it's like basically your perception of the world wouldn't, wouldn't have to change because you're not mm. the knowledge that what occurred isn't there. But, but regardless, yes, I, yeah, I see where, I see where, I, yeah. Yeah, like, I kind of see where, uh, I kind of think, I kind of see where you're saying, uh, what you're saying and where you're going. Uh, at the end of the day, um, no matter how consequential or inconsequential it may be, uh, really, at the end of the day, it, it's, I hate to put it in this, ter- in these terms, it's flavor. And it's really good flavor. It's yeah. really fucking good flavor. It tastes so goddamn good. But <laughs> it's, it's like tears. You may not. You may not have to. <laughs> right. You may not have to salt. You may not have to salt your steak, but it will be better with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I wanted to pl- yeah. try to play devil's advocate with something that was current, as far as like, well, if my argument's going to be that the citizens wouldn't be affected, then theoretically, this blue quest line kind of falls in line with that logic, but. We've, as you guys mentioned, we've seen time and again where that's not true. <laughs> where the blue quest ends up becoming the gold quest with the flame, you know, the, the meteor around it. And, and I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome. It brings us back to places that are familiar. It makes use of areas that have already been established and being able to flavorfully and taste, flavorfully and tastefully. Wow. That's really to tastefully, delicious. um, delicious. If this is your fault. Fucking delicious. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, in order to do that tastefully, I think it's hard. Alexa, shut up. Um, and so, so I think it's really cool when they do pull it off and I, I, I'm, I'm personally okay with it, but I was just curious what you guys' take on the blue side quest being irrelevant kind of shit was. I think there, there are some, some that are more or less, <laughs> you know, because like, because like yes. these tribe quests, you know, same deal. I don't have to know. I don't have to interact with them. Hell, the Kikaran ones, they actually said there's no canon answer to the way you progress those really yeah have you, there's, have you no, done, there, done... there's no intended path for the keekern one whichever one the player picks is canon to them but the dev team hasn't decided that one which one's the true the Katari. the Katari is what i should say right yeah they the dev team haven't decided that one is canon damn so you're just kind of like it's up in the air in that regard <laughs> fuck it's probably yeah. be- it's because you're just shaping a history that there's you literally have no definitive proof of. Like they're just trying to explain their own history. So there's a yeah. truth and there's what you've determined is the truth. Right, it's about the it's about the interpretations that they're in that happen and I guess that's yeah. probably core to the storyline that's being told. Mhm. As far yeah. as like our perceptions mm-hmm. on what was real and what really happened and that kind of shit. Yeah, cuz you're literally just unearthing ruins and going I think and then that mm. becomes how they record their history. I need to do Kikern. Have you done Omicron, right? Yeah. Man. Oh. Some of that shit feels like, uh, that should be in the fucking main story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it I'm is, not going to spoil it, anything. It, but. It's essentially the follow up to all of the Thule, the micro stories in Thule. It's not even, I, I said it's not even the Omicron quest line. It's the Ultima Thule tribal quest. Yeah. Honestly, it's the, and it, it's the, it's the Dynamis quest line. Like with, without getting into details, you, you're learning how we, can predict and manipulate dynamis like 
what do we do to shape things? And, and, and when we create something from it, is it alive? You know, is something birthed of Dynamis a living thing? If it has hopes and feelings and dreams and, and, and aspirations, isn't that just as much alive as anything else, whether it's made of Dynamis or ether? Like, yep. how does that, how does that work? That's a very deep, I think that's a very deep philosophical question that they're diving mm-hmm. into in, in a fucking tribe quest. And, oh man, just, I just, I guess I just, just do all the blue quests, you guys. Like, everything is worth looking at. I swear, it's, it's, oh, if you don't have a gatherer to do the Omicron, just do it. It's so fucking good. You will cry. I promise you, you will cry. Like, the story's so good. And what you get to create through it is, is, I mean, it's, it's the thing that dreams are made of, we'll say. So. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, the remainder of the other story elements of the patch are, as we'll call them, flavor, Tataru, you know, expanding upon mm-hmm. the, and it's a great expansion upon the four lords and kind of their progression, yeah. uh, since the initial I actually haven't of done the that. Line. I would, okay, I'll actually leave that to you as a mystery then. Um, it yeah. is, it, 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 it does, it, it is, it is a fitting epilogue to the events of the four lords in terms of how they've advanced as, I think it is. Okay. I don't. All right. Well, I, I like this because being the person in the middle without knowing anything is like cool. I, one person who's who's on one side. There, there's the dialogue that they funny. share with the warrior of light. Like the, the you, you speak. Yeah. You, if you speak to the NPCs specifically, you need to speak to the NPCs while you're doing it. Right. Get the side quest dialogue stuff. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they um, there's a lot of meta commentary about their interpretation of of I guess their own history. I suppose. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Based on their own perceptions of how they came to be. Well, based or, on because I thought we based, based on how history has progressed based since on, they came to be. Yeah. Oh. And based on how the people perceive them. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As so. auspices, they're not su- they're not changing though, right? No, 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 no. No. Okay. It's a lot about them finding their finding their place or accepting their place or, or wondering where their place will continue because the the auspices. As going back to the four lords, I mean, their entire purpose was Koryu before. Like that was like one of their their chief concerns was Koryu and Tenzin, and like, but now that all that's behind them at this point. Was Tenzin? Mm-hmm. He was the one that kind of like looked out or met them all, right? Was he the warrior of light guy? The one yeah. that we presume was a warrior of light. Mm-hmm. He was the warrior of light from the far east. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that's been so long ago now. There's so much stuff I ought to replay in this game. It, like, no matter how much you write down or how much you think you remember, like, you rewatch stuff. I rewatched the end of Coils of Bahamut the other day, which is way back. I get that. But, like, you're there. You have a, you have a dialogue with Alice at the very end next to the stone of Azema. I didn't even know the mark of Azema was there. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, there's stuff that you just can't remember. So I, I would love to go back and get a refresher on the Four Lords. Did they give you a, like, a refresher reminder when you go to do this quest? Or do you kind of need to remember what happened? It's better to remember. Okay. Better to, yeah, it's better to remember it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go back and review it and, and make sure I understand because I can't quite remember why Suzuku was so upset. <laughs> but yeah. I know why. I just can't. You know how we feel about Nafika? That's how she felt about Tenzin. <laughs> oh. Tenzin, right. please let me smash. Tenzin, All right, please right. let me smash. Let me smash, baby, let me smash. Yeah, as chat calls her, Thirsty Moltres. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that works. Tenzin, unsheathe your sword. Oh my! Sheathe oh! your sword, I beg of you. 
<laughs> she she should have put un in that sentence. Would you um? Un, would you like to see my? Lord, I beg of you. Would you like to see my tattoo? Well, yeah. By the way. Oh yeah. Well, All right. Yeah. So as long as it's not on your ass. No, no. So this is something <laughs> that uh, this is something that back when I was like first going through MSQ, I had a sub goal for and a really high sub goal. And then um, you know, the course oh, wow. of getting getting married and everything, I wasn't able to. To immediately act upon it, but I wanted to get a tattoo. Um, so it wasn't like I was forced into doing it or anything. Um, but it's been a while. I've started to get prog on it. So what I, what I did was I commissioned a piece of art, um, from Nipuni. If you're familiar with her, um, she does a lot of fan art for the game. Some of the more famous fan art pictures of, um, of, uh, Emmett are done by her. Um, in fact, the one on the wall behind me over there is done by her. If you can see that. Yeah, I can see it. Yep. Um, so I'm going to send this guy, I'm going to send this to you guys in this, ch- this chat right here. This is the art that's actually commissioned. So you can see what the end piece is kind of supposed to look like. I don't know if you want to show that. It's going to close. It's going to close over there. Let's see. But. Oh, okay. You can share it in the chat if you have a method of doing so, if you want to like link yeah. it. Cause if I do it, it's going to close all of the, oh yeah, there you go probably do that, but this is the progress so far. I've got Emmett and Hippodeus and Vana and Themis all on there. Eventually there will be um, different stages of a burning La Habrea mask that come up here from Themis's hands. Um, there will be um, the moon behind them on the background, and then there'll be Elpis flowers scattered around their feet and uh, kind of floating through the air around them. Uh, on the edges, you'll have like the, the purple and fuchsia, you know, kind of dynamis background that you have in Ultima Thule with some of the destroyed planets on the sides. And then up here, there'll be a moon coming down and you'll have a smaller, um, silhouette of Hermes with Medion like in his hand, basically, like he's holding her out like that, like looking at her. Um, and so that's, then that's contrasted against, it'll be contrasted against like the light, um, uh, the, the, sh- the, the world of Aetheris behind it as like, so that it'll silhouette. And then the Ultima Thule thing is like coming down above it. So it's going to be kind of crazy. <laughs> it's, it's already kind of crazy. Um, but it's coming along and, uh, I'm really proud of, proud of it so far. I hope to have it done by FanFest. So it's got a long, it's got a ways to go, but it's come a long ways. Oh yeah. It is. It'll, I also it'll took speed my time up. during that to read your shirt. <laughs> Oh, thanks. <laughs> I like my whippet and about three people. <laughs> that's, that's pretty true. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I love this game, dude. I love the story. I love the characters and it's had a big impact on me as a person, honestly. And these storylines that they're telling through the 12 and through the void and, and, um, through pandemonium, you know, still have an impact on me. So, um, yeah, the game just narratively is, is, is fucking awesome. And, I really can't wait to see how what they're going to do with the final wing of Panda and what the final wing of Myths because Thalia because uh I mean it's just been in my opinion it's been really really awesome so far uh you know besides I think um some difficulty tuning you know I think some things are a little too easy I think the alliance raid personally is a little too easy I also think EX5 I have a comment is a about little- that I think EX5 is a little too easy. <laughs> I learned something that I didn't know because I've never tried to do it before. 
You hmm. can't min item level 24 mans during their current expansion. I wanted to oh, min yeah. item level Euphrosine with a full 24, yeah. and I was like, what the fuck? This is the time I would want to do it most! I know, I know. I, I was kind of hoping that it would be a little more chaotic. You know, we kind of, we kind of like one or two shot every boss, and I didn't get to play Aglaia on its release. I had no idea about mm. it. My mods somehow kept that a secret from me until I finished Endwalker. Um, but, it was, uh, I heard it was chaotic, you know, and on those fights you're getting launched off the edge by Rolger and the fucking floor under you is getting pushed by Byergot and, you know, Azema's spinning around fucking ex- exploding the room in places you didn't know that she was going to. And this new one, I felt like there was just a little less chaos. Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And then EX5, you can solo tank, solo heal EX5, which is just disrespectful. Um. I've already farmed out. I have the mount from that already, so there. <laughs> I have a hundred totems. Yeah, that's two patches. You gotta wait. <laughs> and, oh, uh, I know. Oh, that's I'm what I did with my end singer. That's what it's... I did too. My end singer was also a hundred totems yeah. just this last week. The yeah. good news is I have four samurai swords from Rubicante. Damn, I'm the grievous of samurai swords. That's a lot of sam swords. They're gonna become. They're gonna get decent the patch later. <laughs> And then they're going to be tucked away on an NPC until they release the glowy versions of the weapons, and then I'll make yep. back. Yeah, and then I'll make big ass money. Yep, that yep. is that is always the plan. I have a whole retainer dedicated to that. Uh, uh, only other narrative thing mm-hmm. I think in the patch is like new deliveries, Anden, which we don't know much about yet. Yeah, we still need more time. Yeah, yeah. The thing about Anden, um. Anden's going through a bit of an identity crisis. That's it. Well, he doesn't yeah. know who he is. He's trying to figure out <laughs> he who he was know as a who person. He is. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know who he is, and they like the pixie. Like, though, have you have you have you done have you done the new deliveries yet? Have you done any, yeah. any of them? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So he doesn't know who he is. He like he like it's like okay, poof. You were you were a Galgen. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> now you're an Elizin. <laughs> now I you're an Elizin. Yeah, they maybe just keep not. changing his race. On I, yeah, I was gonna say, I, I, lo- I love how they were like, "Oh, I knew an Elizin once." Yeah, we used yep. to fuck with him all the time by bringing him sweets he didn't like. And I was like, "Yeah, yep. come back." I love that reference. That was fucking awesome. I, I, it's got so much charm to it, though. I love, Le- I love Lita Loran, and, and I did the Pixie quest line is one of the one of the best tribe quest lines in the game. And then there's their zone. I mean, it's it's. You know, frilly and, and, and it's childish or whatever, but it's beautiful at the same time. It's yep. Yeah, I spent all of T Prog AFK in there. Yeah, T Prog in yeah, just so you could feel good every time you came out of the raid. I'd ride down a slide and just let, let <laughs> it all go. Let all- Speaking of ultimates, bro, I'm 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 I cleared PAS. I'm bis ready for top, dude. Are you mentally ready for top? Are you, are you mentally ready? <laughs> I'm glad we went the same place. <laughs> Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't torture myself with DSR, so I think I might have the fortitude. I think you may have wanted to. So you you, you have won't afterwards. I look. I've spent a lot of time in UCOB, man. I've spent a lot of time in UCOB. Way more than a clear for two should have to take, and I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Our best. We wiped at point two percent on ads phase. Happy point two, dude. With everyone healthy, if we would have went into Golden Bahamut, okay, I can do the fucking floor mechanic, all right? I can do that, all right? So if I can handle that, maybe 
Maybe. I can do the first phase of top. I'm I'm so mentally prepared that I I feel like I'm too numb for it. Like I yeah, think you about seem I think about doing already. top. You know what I, I think about doing top, and I'm like I can't wait to wake up at normal times again. <laughs> That's why I can't do it. I just I can't. No, no way. I used to raid in WoW. I used to raid 25 hours a week, and that was like a fucking job. I'm no. I'll be raiding that in a day. <laughs> Yeah, it's I like, mean, wait, well, that, that doesn't make sense. That was like our, that was our, that was after, that was after Prog Week schedule. So like day one was like 12 hour days. Day two, first three days was like 12 hour days. And then we raided 25 hours a week after that. But it, it burned me out. We did kill Jaden. 500 pulls on kill Jaden, dude. And that was. What did Jaden ever <sighs> do? Why do you have to kill him? Kill, oh, he was such a deceiver, Jaden. Mm. The motherfucker. This is a wow joke, Sly. Yeah, I understand. It's yeah. making my no, but you hurt. don't. That's the thing. It's you don't know what we're talking. <laughs> I ho- <laughs> I'm, I'm heard, surprised I've heard if you're talking names. about. Wait, I just I Jane. just don't I don't know specifically what they're referring to, but I've heard these names. I'm amazed. Yeah. I'm amazed like, you didn't say Muru there. <laughs> can I speculate on that fight a little bit? Is that cool? About top? Yeah, go right. Yeah, on. yeah. So. A lot of the statics that I know, they're like going back and like, uh, doing like less than men, eye level, like Prague yeah. and Savage, um, like Kefka and stuff like that. But I also know that there was, um, I don't know if it's related and this is just tinfoil speculation, but I know that there were some issues with Shinryu as well. You mean, what do you mean issues? Like hitbox issues, like the code on Shinryu broke a little bit from one of the most recent things. I know there was a, Pretty sure there was a little micro patch thing that talked about some something on Shinryu being adjusted. If like that's they, true, did get weapons a few patches ago, but maybe, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I know where you're going with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I think it'd be cool. Like, it'd be cool to see Shin. I mean, and I know that this isn't original speculation, but, um, but yeah, like Shinryu versus Omega. You know, seeing that come to fruition because, you know, the whole point of Omega's gauntlet and that it, what it was doing was like. Trying to gather the data necessary to become powerful enough to kill Shinryu. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of, would kind of make sense, I guess, if you, we got to see them do battle in some kind of way, or maybe they, maybe Shinryu came in and like they attack each other for a minute and it's a phase where we're just dodging attacks, trying not to die, you know? You know, maybe we don't fight them directly, but I don't know. I just thought maybe if there was some kind of coding issue that it could relate to the, to the, to top, but it's, like I said, just, speculation so yeah i mean um i think the, the the interesting thing is that in terms of omega's story in final fantasy 14 shinryu is a blip whereas his long-standing trial is true midgard stormer midgard stormer is our shinryu stand-in in 14 for the more lore accurate dragon verse robot encounter which is of course ex- expanded upon a little bit in thule as they're both present there true. on opposite sides of of Thule itself. One That's at the a good lowest, point. one at the highest. Um, that being said, everybody wants to see Shinryu because it's a classic, it's a long-standing Final Fantasy rivalry. Um, Shinryu I think being an people told me that game. about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think back when I went through Omega, people were telling me about that, which is why the Kef- Kefka comes up and these other things come up, right? Is because isn't that part of the trope is like the interdimensional shit 
Like that's part of why they're yes. there. Well, yeah. So and and, and do you mind if I talk about Final Fantasy V? I don't know if you've played or plan. No, on no, no, no. I don't plan to play it. I'm playing six. So okay, yeah. So in Final Fantasy V, uh, there is one. There's there's basically one real world that is uh, is a world where the void is born, and that world is split into two, and in between them is where the void is tucked away. X death you know, who's the last boss of the Delta Scape, you know, solid reference. He wants to merge them back together because that releases the Void again. But between the world and the Void is the interdimensional rift, which is where Omega and Shinryu are trapped. Omega was sent into the interdimensional rift to destroy Shinryu, and that's where you just find them both. And that's been a long-standing thing across pretty much the rest of the franchise. Um, cool. That's referenced constantly. Uh, even Final Fantasy XII, which doesn't have a Shinryu, you have to defeat Yazmet, who is that world Shinryu stand in before Omega will even activate. So. Oh shit. That's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's I, also uh, where all the Gilgamesh stuff is from. Um, he's also from Yeah. Five, and he also gets lost in the interdimensional rift. And that's hit. So outside of Final Fantasy 14, Gilgamesh is one character present in every other game. It's been stated oh. that our, our Gilgamesh is not the Gilgamesh from Final Fantasy 5. It is a 14. Same with Omega. It is stated right. that our versions are not the original okay. versions, but for Gilgamesh, there's actually a canon storyline between the Final Fantasy games of him hopping between them. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. I love the references. God damn. I mean, in this, in the, the game's just full of them, the Loperettes on the moon and all that stuff. And now, like, uh, anyway, okay. That's awesome. I know that in six, so this is, a, so, huh, whew, I'm gonna have to brush up on this lore because, um, I'm going to be on um, the Race to World First uh, mm-hmm. podcast thing. Yeah. Um, with a spot with Moose talking about lore. And I haven't finished FF6, but I know what I think I know is that Kefka awakens the triad. He absorbs them, becomes God Kefka, and destroys the world. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, is that's, that enough? Is that enough for me to know? I don't think you're going to need to know all that because Omega is five, just to be clear. Um, yes. So, well, I so, know, but I don't think I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think it's that going to be. I don't you think Kefka's going to be that. Going to be dead. I, I'm not it's even convinced Kefka shows up for more than one mechanic. I think he shows up to do one thing and he's gone. I'd be cool with that. Okay, so I'm going to have to more so know about Omega and Omicron's good. Okay, it's also important to note that our triad and the triad of and Kafka are unrelated in Final Fantasy 14. Right, right, they're their own thing from yeah. Mericidia. Yeah. yeah, they're separated. Yeah, so. Right. Uh, and all of the Omega uh things that we see are just legends from different shards essentially. He just pull he just yeah. picks True, and pulls it's not things. like it would be Right, I get it. I get it. I get what you're saying. It's not like the the story that really applies to Kafka in in 6 is like meaningful here because the triad is separate and because it's a simulation. Yeah. Omega was just doing blood sport. That's all he was doing. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. I yeah, get that, yeah. Much. No, I appreciate yeah. that that insight, because that takes me off of that line of thinking, which I, I appreciate. The more important thing is to know the actual in-context lore of Omega in right. Final Fantasy XIV. Mm-hmm. couple things. Alpha's uh, granting us access to the individual encounters, is one right. thing he we now feels like the weakest level creation, right? From yeah, Omega. He, he's the weakest level creation, but he gets what Omega was trying the whole time, right? A soul. Yeah. 
Now, I have a question. Have you read the patch 6.3 description of the Omega Ultimate? Uh-uh. I don't think so. I will, I will read it to you momentarily. Please do. As I pull up the God's Revel Land Tremble page. Because this was very important for DSR, this description. Uh, and the continued story arc between Omega and Alpha exists far beyond the Omega raid. I mean, we're still getting updates on that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, the prologue. Mm-hmm. This is the description. What if Omega's relentless testing had continued and provided the elusive answer it sought? The minstrel's words invite you to imagine this scenario, to entertain the possibility of that which may have been, to follow the experiment to its ultimate conclusion. His con- so what was- if Omega got a soul? Yes, essentially. What if, dude, because Omega was a super weapon that was a incredible power without a soul. So just to remind people, like thinking back to Xenos, when he was doing his experimentation, is it your flesh or is it your soul that gives you power? Well, as Xenos learned, it ain't the flesh, right? So and to an extent, maybe a little bit it is. The vessel is important, but really it comes from the soul. So to think about Omega as a super weapon already... And then being given the thing that gives you the grandest power in the universe? That's kind of scary! <laughs> what do you think, what do you think it would become? Like, what do you think would happen? It's logical to think it would become some, uh, it's very similar to what he attempted with MNF. That's what he attempts yeah. with MNF is he tries to make himself mortal to understand what why we're driven that way why yeah why we're driven that's the only reason we're even able to defeat him is because he makes himself mortal right he throws away the thing that separates him from humanity um and in savage which we'll definitely see the savage form the music is already in the 6.3 trailer he throws that away in favor of godhood yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. At that point, he becomes like an amalgamation of divinity at that point. Yes. He, he, he tries to take on the thing that mortals worship right. as opposed to a mortal himself. Because he goes, if it's not from them, I'm just going to try to become what I think their power is coming from. I'll just become a god. Yeah. And that, I think, goes back to like what I said earlier about how Athena learned to make gods the wrong way, honestly. Mm-hmm. She built this thing of, of science and etherochemistry and soul magic and weird shit that probably is just, I mean, it's unnatural and it's, it's leads to horrors. I mean, we saw what Hephaestus was like, just Jesus Christ, what the fuck? So, you know, it, it goes back to like, there's only, (laughs) there's a right way to do this. And, uh, and Vanon and her followers apparently fucking figured it out. So. And Omega is about to potentially figure it out. Yeah. Just, and I love that because if people don't know, ultimates aren't canon, right? It's the, what if it's the, what could happen? Mm -hmm. And, Sometimes what I like to say is that even if the events that happen are not canon, it does not mean that you can't glean something from it. It doesn't mean you can't learn something about it because what it's, what it's trying to tell you is if, if theoretically this timeline were to occur, this is what could happen. That doesn't mean that there's, there's no potential, nothing to be gleaned from it. It can still give you insight on other perspectives what, you know, again, what could have happened, but it's not to say that these things are impossible, just that they didn't occur. So I just want to remind people of that because sometimes, you know, people yeah. get confused. We know this one won't be as story-focused as DSR, where DSR explores an entire alternate oh, timeline. Right, right, okay. <laughs> but How much details? I, I admittedly, I don't follow Top as closely as someone like you might because you're, yeah. you're doing week, you're doing week one. Um, so I'm not as up on the sources. What, what, like, 
Do you mind like giving a synopsis of like what to expect from that? Well, we're starting with Beetleborg form. Um, we already know what the right. first mechanic is approximately. Um, we can, mm-hmm. you can just, you can probably already figure out the first roughly 60 seconds of the fight just based on what Yoshi P showed us, which is great because that's one eighteenth of what we'll probably need to know. <laughs> yeah. Really. Um, <laughs> but there's two different quotes that are important and which one is true. And I'm sorry, there are two different translations from Yoshi P's words and which one is true will largely determine the way this goes. Translation number one, and these are of the same thing. They're just like, it's the same exact sentence. It's just how they right. were translated. Two interpretations. Yes. Okay. Number one was all of Omega will be there, which could be interpreted as all of the tournament, all of the his experiments are going to be present, which would include every boss in some capacity. Whether or not we fight them is a different story. Just being able to solve mechanics from them is probably more than enough. Sure. It could just be a replication of an individual mechanic each boss, like what you said with Kefka. Yeah. The other interpretation slash translation is everything is Omega, which would imply that Omega is the sole boss of this and that there are no other elements outside of him, which for the sake of his experimentation is pretty important. Uh, I think Omega is the only boss we kill. I think he's the only boss we target. I don't think we'll ever have to kill a Kafka or kill an X-Death or any other boss. I like this take. I I think it's literally going to go Beetleborg Omega, Omega MNF, God Omega, or Final Omega, as we call it. And then Secret Form. Yeah, and then I'll call him Dynamis Omega or some shit like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, honestly, maybe something like that. That would be fucking crazy if the oh shit. (laughs) I'm not going to get into that, but not possible for Omicrons. But to be able to harness the power of Dynamis would be fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess essentially. I mean, is that. Yeah, I got to look into the alpha thing. Both of these statements apply to alpha because he is a piece of Omega. So that's another important bit. He's, he's Omega's interpretation of his, of his weakest and like interpretation of himself. Right. And not some other individual thing that he met. Right. Forgot about that. Which is, which is supposed to be the irony that his weak, he determined his weakest self and is the thing that grew a soul. So what if what if Omega's final form is a giant, giant chocobo? I've already chocobo. been down this road. Yeah, no, I've been saying that. I've been I've been saying that for for months. Yes, giant cyber chocobo. Hello, world. Yeah, there's Let's a mecha go, chocobo baby. in Chocobo GP, but it's piloted by a Moogle, so I don't know that we want to. <laughs> so he becomes the red comet. Yeah. Mazda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of things that are possible, but. Either way, the concept of Omega earning his own soul or figuring out what it takes to earn a soul implies him almost becoming empathetic in a sense, which then makes that last phase a little sadder. Yeah, because at that point he might like come to realize some things if that occurs, you know? He might pretty quickly be subject to some kind of like mortal weaknesses, so to speak. That, you know, might kind of be a little sad. <laughs> Considering, I mean, help me remember, is Omega as an entity like the other Omicron where it is a converted sentient being? Yes. They are all, so, so they're a, all that way, yeah. They're all like that. So whether they're in an armor armor or or in a regular body or whatever, they're all like that. So yeah, I mean <laughs> fuck, dude. That's fucked up. Don't make me feel bad for Omega, damn it. <laughs> 
Yeah, that come on. You, you can look for the parallel there with Sigma in um in Ultima Thule, who is essentially another. It's a it's, it's yeah, a it's weaker Omega thing. unit. Yeah. She, yep. you would assume, could achieve the same thing, but I don't remember Chi's lore precisely. And she will, she actually, uh, um, unit N-6205, uh, <laughs> and I, I got quizzed on that by my mods yesterday, <laughs> is the one that's actually present when you are fighting Chi. And if you, um, if you like read the, um, the dialogue from Chi that it says while you're fighting it, and then you talk to that guy afterwards, it's like, I can't remember exactly what he says, but, it's kind of fascinating. It kind of like, uh, it, I think it posits like a question to you about like, what if, what if, um, I can't remember what it is, but it's basically like searching as well as like, just like the other Omicron. So, uh, and I found that like super fascinating considering it's not, you know, it's off doing its own thing on its own directive. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. She's pretty cool. And Sigma only um, reactivates. And what's interesting about Sigma, and I, I, I don't know if it's made entirely clear, but they say Sigma's woken up by you kind of going to Thule, in a sense. I don't know if I don't know if Sigma's actually out there and reactivated, or if because it, we're in Thule, they've like willed it to exist, manifested. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember if that's ever precisely explained. That's probably part of the Dreamscape dungeon. If I had to, maybe not. I don't know. I got to do a refresher, man. This is what I was saying earlier. There's so much stuff, man. It's gets lost in the fucking void. <laughs> so, yeah, I got to brush up on that before, before Tuesday. Not but, a bad idea. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't mean to cut anything short if you wanted to keep going, but I do have some... Uh, no, I know. I was, I was going to get us, I was going to get us there next. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. I knew, I knew <laughs> cool, you, cool. you said you wanted to wrap up around the actual end time. But then we talked, and it just kept going. And that was great. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine what the fuck happened. It's been like two hours. I don't know how that occurred. I know. I was here for it. True. All right. It's been well, very enjoyable. I mean, yeah. I'm glad we were able to have you on, and you were able to just expunge all of this pent-up story yeah. tension. <laughs> I know sometimes it's hard to follow. Sometimes it's it's all over the place, but... It's all, it's all there. It's all the, the clues, they're all there. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just stoked that hopefully Efrosini ends up turning into, you know, Mist of the Realm turns into something that is meaningful to us as a character and as a person. And, uh, the same thing happens with Pandemonium and, and hopefully the same thing with 6-3. I mean, I've just never had a game that has kind of touched my life and with, with concepts and just different ways of thinking and different ways of tackling struggles, um, than this game. So. That's what I see continuing in these raid storylines, and I can't wait to see and talk about it more. Because the next raid is going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to, to Pandemonium to wrap that up, and Smiths as well. All right, let's, let's, let's get to this so you can, you can get out of here. Thank you everyone for tuning into this week's episode of State of the Realm. There is no episode next week because, uh, I sincerely doubt we'll be ready for one, uh, after Tuesday. I'm, my, my life is, is, Nothing but a giant Beetleborg robot and his interpretation of mortality. So, <laughs> and that's what I think it'll be. Thanks to Pyro for coming out to this episode, for taking the Thank time. Thank you so much. And, uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you at? What you're, what you're working on at the moment and, uh, what you got planned for the, the coming future? What? Alexa, shut the fuck up, Bill. I do not want to buy it. No. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Okay, good. Yes. Okay. Um, hey, <laughs> sorry about that. I'm Pyromancer. 
thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, as you guys can probably tell, I'm super into the lore of this game. I have a YouTube channel that a lot of people forget exists. It's youtube.com slash pyromancer. I will do pre-recorded videos at some point, I promise. <laughs> at some point. Um, but I put, you know, clips and highlights of the stream and stuff and sometimes other thoughts on there. Um, obviously I stream on Twitch, twitch, twitch.tv slash pyromancer. Um, I stream four days a week, Monday through, sorry, Tuesday through Friday. I'd love to have you guys come and check it out. If you know me as Rage Mancer, it's not true. Except this morning when I didn't get my house, I raged about that. But I didn't rage at chat. I raged at the house. And That's relatable, though. Fucking lottery system. What the fuck? Anyway, thank you again for having me. And thanks, uh, everyone in the chat for, for coming and, and watching. It means a lot. I appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Do I leave now? N- no, we got to. To, oh, we oh, we have to say goodbye too. I, okay, I was I was like, wait. <laughs> okay, so, so Sly. On that note, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, hi, uh, thank you again, Pyro, for coming. I'm Sly. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Sly, aka Gray Fox. You can find me on Twitter at Sly to Fox. I'm, I I do things. I, I play games. Uh, that's pretty much it. I'm keeping it short because I know Pyro has shit to do. So it's okay. Um, it's okay. Yeah. It's not that Come much of a rush. <laughs> Come by. Feel free to watch me. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's good vibes. Thanks. Good vibes. Really good vibes. Really good vibes. A drink. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> one? <laughs> More than one. <laughs> and happy? There you go. I let, I let him. See, I pyro even jumped the gun. He's like, hurry up, slug. Get him out no, of here. No, no, no. <laughs> I was actually going to make a joke. I was going to say, no one cares about happy. Y'all know who he is anyway. That's what I say. That's my line though. I say that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Mr. Happy, of course, you can find me. Well, if you're on here on Twitch, you're watching it on, you know, the current channel. So woo, you found me. Uh, over on YouTube, the next, uh, 12 months is going to be full of a lot of nostalgia baiting with a lot of retrospectives on various things since Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, starting 10 this year in, uh, in August. So, uh, yeah, today we just looked back at the content that was added in patch 2.1. So <laughs> that was, uh, oh boy, back when, uh, Warrior wasn't a job as far as we we're concerned. That was, those were, those were good times. Yeah. Goes, dark uh, times. Goes with, those are dark times. Yeah. So much so that Marauder in the patch notes wasn't even called Marauder. It was called Brutal Swing and they never corrected the typo for it. So <laughs> that's, that's how bad it was. Is that the meme? <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> they were, oh they were really God. bad before 2.1. They were not a class and or a job before 2.1 as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, we're going to be doing that. Tuesday onward is going to be all top highlights until that's done because I won't be doing anything else. So be sure to tune in 16 hours a day until it's dead. After, after top, we have shows playing. Uh, I'll kind of get into it after, uh, in post show, but yeah, we have show pl- shows playing. So please look forward yep. to it. Hype. But no show next I'm gonna week. Ch- I'm going to try to do top week one. Um, not that seriously. So probably for the better. If, uh, if they ever hit some really awful prog point and you want to come watch me suffer, you're welcome to check that out. Uh, it's the first time I'm ever doing an ultimate on release, so I don't know. I'm probably gonna get fucking wrecked. Yeah, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, and then Stranger of Paradise comes out three days later, and they have their Omega in that game now too. So I get to get fucked in the ass twice in one week. That sounds Yay! like a good time. Nor- normally, you pay extra for that. Anyway, with that, I guess the cost of the DLC, regardless. So with that. We're going to sign off. Thank you to our sponsors. One last thing. Steel Series, Advanced GG, HelloFresh, and of course, Patre- Patreon, who we don't do anything for, but they love us and we love them too. And with <laughs> that, 
I'm going to go to the outro screen, give Pyro 30 seconds, and then he can leave. All right. So, <laughs> as, as he has requested. <laughs> so thank everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And until Thanks then. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye. See you soon.